0: Who is the clear favorite for LCS this spring? We will do our predictions. Is TL Korea for real? A lot of hype around this team. Kind of like a modern day LMQ. If you don't get the reference, don't worry. We will explain. And Cubby joins us uh, for the LCS preview episode. Thank you so much for joining us, Cubby, for episode 110 of the Clown Fiesta podcast with Blue Jay and JT250 as hosts. Uh, Thanks so much for coming on, man. We really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, it should be fun. Uh, I'm looking forward to talking about, you know, some of the NACL promos that we saw in LCS and and uh, maybe a
0: little bit of that week as well, as we do start before LCS. But yes, I'm, I'm just
1: of to get week back, man. Yeah.
0: yeah, right. Like, it's actually it's only two months, but those two months feel long, right? Yeah. Um, for, for those listening, we will get into all the LCS preview stuff. And then, like Cubby said, after that, later in the episode, we will... Uh, Kind of pick his brain on the NACL now, formerly the Academy uh, League. And then, of course, some questions about him and how he got to where he's at. Uh, JNT 250, should we get things going with the power rankings?
2: I mean, we might as well get directly underway. Uh, We'll preface this by saying, traditionally, when we introduce our power rankings before the split, we usually do it to where we think the power level of the teams are at the current moment. However, for this to go around, our power rankings are going to be for how we project the teams to finish at the end of the split. So without further yeah, ado, changing it, it up
0: this time around.
2: Yep. I'll bring it up. And just for the audio only people quickly, I'm going to run through all the lists for myself. I had EG number one, C9 two, followed by TL, 100 Thieves, FlyQuest, CLG, Dignitas, TSM, Golden Guardians, and Immortals at the bottom. J, EG number one, TL number two, FlyQuest, Cloud9, 100 Thieves, Dignitas, CLG, Golden Guardians, TSM, Immortals, and then lastly Cubbies, EG number one, FlyQuest 2, t 3 TL, C9, Dignitas, CLG, Immortals, Golden Guardians, and then TSM in last place.
0: I see. All right. So how, uh, what order do we want to do this in, Genter?
2: Well, I think the best way to do it, we'll probably start from the top with EG as sort of our unanimous number one. Uh, I think... It's not really too big a surprise there, considering that EG probably upgraded their roster the most in their offseason relative to maybe the rest of the teams, considering that EG was a top finisher, did end up going to Worlds. And most people are arguing that someday is an upgrade over Impact, and then FBI is going to be an upgrade over Cowrie.
0: Yeah, and I think a lot of people will hear uh, Someday upgrade over Impact, and they'll kind of pause and say, wait a second, are you sure about that? Because Impact, long-time, solid top laner in the LCS. However, I would just point to more of a recency reason for why we would say that Someday would be an upgrade. I just think he had a better 2022, despite him and Impact both being still two of our best top laners for sure. Um, I really like the changes that EG made, but... It's hard to ignore EG not having Danny. Am I right, Cubby?
1: Yeah, I I mean, I have EG at one. Like, for me, I actually feel like EG and FlyQuest are the clear top two, or at least should be, like, once FlyQuest is able to meld together. Uh, I put EG at one because I think they're... Out of the top teams, like, last year, only them and C9 kept their core uh, in terms of, like, the, the three players uh, that are on the same roster. Uh, and I... I think that I mean impact versus someday has like always been kind of a, a great rivalry. So I, I really don't feel comfortable like, you know, calling that an upgrade. What I will say is that for me someday would have was my clear like runner up for M V P last split. And he's coming off of a really good split. Uh so I, I do hope that like that ends up fitting really well for EG. Uh and then FPI over Cowrie, yeah. I I, I had Cowrie all of last year for an ACL. He he is really good and I I'm glad that he was able to perform but uh, I think FBI is all like, ever since he's come to NA, he's been a very strong marksman and curious to see how him and Vulcan meld together. It could be a lot of potential there.
0: Yeah. My concern with FBI was, I didn't think his 2022 was as good as we had seen him in the past. More specifically, I just thought that there was, uh, I, I would notice quite often in team fights where he was out of position and like, obviously you win or lose the game by team fights. And so that's where my eyes were when it came to FBI last season. Um, I still think he's still a solid uh, ADC, and so I don't think that you have this tremendous downgrade at the AD carry position. But like I said before, it's hard to ignore that this team doesn't have Danny anymore. They looked fine at Worlds with Cowrie, but like you have to wonder um, what a full season looks like, and they had Danny for about 75%, probably even more than that, of the year last year. And so I would still point to FBI having really big shoes to fill, and, well, I mean, who knows? Sometimes pressure can really... Uh, get to a player or sometimes it can fuel a player
2: i think for me the most important thing with this eg roster going into 2023 is they sort of flipped sides of the map in terms of how i perceive that they're maybe going to play it you know you kind of had impact who was this rock in the top lane and he was the guy who wasn't necessarily going to always win you the game but definitely wasn't going to lose the game i think that was the most important factor when it comes to ranking impacts sort of performance over the last almost six or seven years now in the LCS. He's always been a very, very consistent player. And I think they're getting that now in the bot lane with FBI. And, you know, Danny was the carry of the team. He was the guy that was going to win you the game and always was getting all the resources, was getting a lot of attention, you know, after 10, 15 minutes of the game, the game became all about Danny. And I think that potentially can flip over to the top side because when we do see Sunday at his best, it's on these carry potential champions. It's the one where he's doing the most of the work with. He's doing most of the heavy lifting, so I can maybe expect EG to be maybe shifting towards a bit more of a topside team than a bot side team. But I think FBI's consistency in general is going to help patch up those you know potential holes with you know if you want to call it a downgrade over Danny.
1: Yeah, I I went 100 thieves did win like summer of last year. I it was a lot of you know someday playing Orn and still playing for FBI. And given that it is like the same core, I think the clear identity for me with EG is that. Inspired and Jojo are going to play to leave mid and go impact sides. And I feel like EG can realistically win through either side. Uh, so I, I, we'll see. Like That is one where it could be meta-dependent. Uh, and I think early season, the meta is going to be really good for EG because it still feels like even with the mage changes, they're like one or two tweaks away from really being back. Uh, I think that people will be surprised at how good Jojo still will be in the, the mage meta uh, cause, just because of how well that guy lanes. Uh, but while it's like, you know, getting out of lane and impacting the map, I, I do feel like JoJo is one of the mids that will take a lot of risks. And unironically for me, the other one that I feel like will take a lot of risks as well when it comes to leaving lanes is Vicla, who would be next on my list at least.
0: Yeah, and we will get to, yeah. to them in just a second. Um, last thing I want to say is you mentioned how Someday a lot of times was just, I think you said Orn? What Who did you say again?
1: When they won in summer of uh, 21, it was a lot of, uh, like, Orn picks. They were playing Orn, these Sin, Orn, Viego. And they would gank top early, but then it was FBI who carried later.
0: And and what's interesting to me is I, I do remember a lot of those games. And what also stood out to me is you could put him on carries, and he performed really well also. I remember seeing him play a lot of Gwen. He's good. He looked great yeah. on Gwen. you remember when Trindomir was meta? That guy yeah. was taking over yeah. games, man. And so that's, to me where I point to the slight upgrade over impact is the ability to play both of those styles of, hey, I'll be put on orange duty or, you know what? I'll carry the game if you need me to. And that, that's why I give him the slight upgrade and why I think EG has just that extra little um, uh, advantage to me and why I put them number one. On top of, of course, in my opinion, them still having the best player in the league of Inspired.
2: I, I would also agree that the best player in the league is probably still Inspired.
0: Okay. Uh, do we want to move on to the next team, JNT? Well, should we just follow your list, JNT, your your power rank? Well, well I don't know. I we can...
2: I was thinking we'd flip over to FlyQuest because I think they have the most... Okay.
0: Uh, I, I think TL
1: is next when it, we combine our ranks.
0: Yeah, let's do TL then. I, I don't yeah. really care the order as yeah, long as we... Yeah, it just, doesn't
2: matter yeah. to me, but we All can right, go through do... TL. Obviously, a ton of hype on this roster, mainly because they're doing the, the sort of... They're, they're the next step after the TSM did their LPL sort of... Uh, team. Now we have the LCK team with Team Liquid, um, their roster being Summit, Piosik, Harry, Yon, and or J. And
0: kind of a, I mentioned at the start of the show, kind of an LMQ throwback. Uh, Jane, do you want to explain the LMQ reference?
2: Yeah, for, for for the OG, or I guess for the non-OGs who maybe didn't watch the LCS, you know, I've only been fans of the LCS for a few years now. LMQ was a team back in 2014 that was an all-Chinese roster. And people might be wondering, how did you have an all Chinese roster in the LCS? This was before they put in all of the import restrictions on all of the major leagues. And it was specifically because of this LMQ team. So a little, a little, a little throwback there.
0: Yeah, and I wanna I wanna throw this over to Cubby because this is one of the great things about having you on this episode is obviously there's two players on that roster that J and T and I who don't follow a lot of academy don't know much about. So let I'll let you take it away and uh, give your thoughts on these two guys that are joining the LCS this year.
1: Yeah, I I I think the community sentiment obviously of like TL being Team Korea like I mean or Team LCK I mean I I get the memes uh but I think what a lot of people are missing out on is that like this would not have been possible if TL didn't develop. Uh, the level of academy team and the academy players they had last year. Um, whether that is, I guess AOL was a free agent, but like, like they had the ability where they c- were able to internally promote two players, which for me is your biggest goal with your NACL slot. Like slot. I don't care if like you're winning or losing. Uh, in terms of like, the org, I care more of like, are you developing players that you can either internally promote or externally sell. Uh, TL was very successful at that this last year. Uh, and they ended up winning, which, you know, If you are doing those things correctly, then you are going to be a better team in the league and TL won both splits. Um, These guys are curious to me because usually I think one of the bigger things that's missing when it comes to NACL players or academy players historically versus LCS players is actually uh, their ability to lane. Uh, For me, that's always been something that's more coachable because you can replicate lane quite a bit. uh, And... So, like, that's like a shortcoming where, like, Spawn, who got promoted last year, right? Spawn isn't as strong of a laner as a lot of the other 80s in LCS. I don't feel that way about Harry and Yawn. That was actually, like, their best quality throughout NACL was their ability to lane and consistently find leads in the early stages of the game. And with how Riot's balancing the game, I think that's, like, more and more important as time goes on. Because, it, it, in, in a sense, like, whatever leads you're able to bring to the first few fights, is, you know, that really matters. Um, I have them fourth uh because my concern is that i've never seen pioshik play with a like a team that's top centric and summit is a top centric top laner for better or worse very true uh and so i am actually really curious to see if how and if they can make that work um and also i like harry and yon as confident as i actually am that they're going to be able to hang in terms of lane i think that sometimes like they did play team fights too quickly uh, they were Now, this is a team that was 29-7 and 7 in the summer of NACL, so they were used to winning and being up at all times. Um, so maybe that's just a symptom of, like, they're always winning their scrims and always winning the games they play, which they were. Uh, or maybe that's something that, like, you know, I'm just going to look out for early in the LCS season to see if that's actually something that's an issue. Um, so I, I, I think that just because of those things, I have them lower on the totem pole. Um, also, I did watch Piosik's regular se- season in LCK, and it wasn't great, uh, even if he was better at Worlds. Uh, so I'm kind of curious the level that he brings to the table as well.
0: Yeah, I I was actually very hesitant to put them number two because we have seen world champions come over before and be duds. Like, I mean, a lot of people like to point to Crown, right, when he went to CLG. I just, you have to acknowledge that there's a difference between Crown playing on CLG and Pioshek playing on TL with no language barriers, right? If everyone can speak Korean, you would have to imagine that, or let's say not no language barriers, but minimal. I I don't know how good... uh, they are like Korean speakers, Ari
1: and and yeah, um, uh, Yon uh, and Harry, Harry and Yon. They almost said Ayla. Yeah, no, they're <laughs> or, uh, get those two confused. So Yon's very fluent. I'm not as I think I, I I can't speak on the level of Harry. Like I've I have confidence that Harry is too. I just know that Yon's very fluent. Like he's always in any interview he did. His dream is
0: actually to play in the LCK. Um, mm. so he's fluent like in that level. And see, that gives me a lot more confidence that. We won't see what we had seen in the past, despite the fact that that is still possible. I can acknowledge that there's never a guarantee someone comes over and joins a new league, new environment. Things can change, right? You never know if it's going to go well. But I have more confidence that he won't be an absolute dud. And I still, like, I guess I'm just drinking the the raw talent Kool-Aid, if you will. Uh, when you see guys like summit when you see like core jj let's not forget that core jj has been the best support in the league or at least one of if you're not going to say the best support over well the last what four years how long has he been here now three or four years so i guess i'm just looking at this team saying this team has absolute star power i fully expect core jj to still be able to find engages when he needs it i full expect fully expect to see him roam top randomly and get his top laner ahead like it just core jj makes his way around the map and i still have faith in in players like him that's so that's like Elfari, like that roster v2
1: is what i think that the summit roster could be and i'm just curious to see if that works or not
2: yeah I, I think you make a pretty good point there and i guess one of the reasons why i maybe had a little bit more confidence in team liquid when it comes to kind of maybe switching up their identity and going back to that heavy top lane play style which I think to everyone will obviously be apparent just based on summit existing, because that was pretty much the the entire game plan on C9, but kind of having a bit of that, you know, past data and maybe having a bit more time to see how they're going to flesh everything out during a full season, because you saw the struggles with cloud nine, like when summit wasn't able to get his big leads, you know, in lane and then enemy junglers were doing, they they were prioritizing shutting summit down in the early game. You could really see sort of like the wheels fall off the wagon and, they didn't really know what to do. They didn't really know how to work from a deficit that entire playoff run and even towards the end of the regular season. So I think maybe they might be able to figure it out a bit better should there be stumbles along the way. But I think Cubby, you also made a good point saying how, you know, these young rookies in Harry and Yon they're used to winning. You know, you said what their record was 29 and seven. They're often playing from a lead and sometimes that can, you know, trip them up. I think that's definitely a concern that we've seen from players in the past who've moved from, you know, formerly Academy, know, into the LCS, I think the main ones that stick out to me was that FlyQuest roster, I think, was in 2020 where they had Diamond, Palafox, uh, Kumo. Maybe that was early 2021. But basically all the former C9 Academy guys, those guys seemed to really struggle when they moved to LCS. A lot of them were on that FlyQuest roster. So there definitely yeah, does this- seem to be, you know, some, some rookies can struggle when they have to learn to play from a deficit, but others just can sort of surpass that and thrive.
0: Yeah, the the twenty twenty roster was the one that went to Worlds. Remember with oh, Santor and definitely twenty twenty one and... then. Yeah, yeah. Um, do we want to move over to FlyQuest? Do we have any more on TL? Uh, not really. I I think that like
1: again, that's something I I just noticed sometimes. Like this was a team that was still insanely successful, uh, and so that's like me also just nitpicking. Like if there was anything that I had like would have to be worried about, it, it is that. Um, I also think that if it goes to like heavy mage meta, it's not that Harry was, he was by no means like bad in those metas, but I, he's stronger when he's able to play melees. I, I, he is a very, very, very talented melee player, uh, just naturally and mages. It's not quite as much. So again, I kind of see the meta slowly getting this way. Like I, I said that mage I think mages are like one item buff away from like maybe being very much back and relevant given what the rest of the meta could look like um because i think that kate's gonna benefit a lot from like the ie changes uh and mage kate setups would be really strong so i'm curious to see how that impacts things but uh we'll see
0: and that's also just one of the difficulties about doing this predictions for end of split predictions yeah. is like meta shifts and we don't have any say or yeah. knowledge as to how that's going to happen.
1: Riot saved their big changes for thirteen one and 2 as well, which, uh, you yeah. know, uh, I, I'm not thrilled with that, but, you know, uh, it is what it is. Yeah, but I mean, but in this, year, <laughs>
2: this year we don't get, you know, the lock-in tournament to sort of give us that you know the preview of the preview basically you know we don't we know, really we know meddle.
0: we got boomers versus zoomers what I, do you mean <laughs>
2: i don't know how uh serious that was if you catch my drift there i don't know if zach yasuo is going to be a
0: a common pick
1: i don't know about uh, the four fox yasuo but I, I do respect it
0: yeah don't count it out jnt <laughs> all yeah, right let's all uh, let's shift over to fly quest he wants to start us off with the fly quest hype or or lack thereof if you're a little hesitant I'm curious why you have FlyQuest at fifth. Um, yeah, J and T. Why do you got him at fifth, bro?
2: Okay, man. So, I mean, I think the I, I'm definitely not disrespecting the individual power of you know FlyQuest roster because I think they obviously have a lot of solid players on their roster. Prince was one of them. I mean, I, I can't say this with certainty, but I'm going to assume that he was probably a highly sought after free agent. Ultimately, did come over to FlyQuest in North America because he said he wanted to make worlds and. You know, that's a decision that a lot of imports have made over the years, and that's not really too much of a surprise. That was kind of even a factor in the perks situation when he went to Cloud Nine. But uh Prince obviously is gonna be, you know, a very strong AD carry in the league, and I don't think that I'm necessarily questioning that. You know, same with Vicla, he's another really hype player. I think my concerns are more with is this team gonna figure everything out right away? You know, I think there are some teams coming into spring split and this is one thing that I even remember saying last year. I think consistency is a very big factor when it comes to how your team is going gonna, is gonna to perform at the beginning of the year when you've had this long off season. And, you know, as you sort of mentioned before, teams like EG and Cloud9, they still have the core of their roster. And, you know, presumably yep. it's going to be a bit easier for them to you maybe get the rust off early on in the season. Whereas a team like FlyQuest, which is a completely new team, I don't think any of these players have ever played with, you know, each other ever in their careers and there being potentially a little bit of a language barrier, you know, with the uh, speaker and maybe the rest of the team. But I, I think my concerns with FlyQuest more rest on the fact if they're going to figure it out or not by the end of the split, rather than them being strong right out of the gate, because I think FlyQuest will definitely be a team that will be in the top four, top five for the whole year. It's just a question of if they're going to get further than that in a spring split for me.
1: Okay. For me, this is a team where I, 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 th- feel like given the five players on the eg and FlyQuest roster i feel like they are a tier above the rest of the competition until i'm proven otherwise like proven wrong um so i have them in second i i think that like what you brought up with you know melding and meshing as a team is fair um i mean that that factors into any team uh i I think that one of the stories that was kind of cool about the drx run is that like how close they were as a team outside of the game too. I think that actually wasn't talked about enough. But like they used to all hang out at like Death's place, like while he screamed like in the background. Yeah, was, Ash- um, Ashley
2: Klang was promoting a lot of that yeah. stuff on Twitter, sort of yeah. as it was happening, and then even after that.
1: Yeah, it was like um, that stuff matters, right? And so just coming together like later, and also like not having any of that experience, I I think that's ultimately why I put them below EG. Uh, but I look at the talent, and I don't know how many. Like how many wins are FlyQuest just going to get because their carry players are impact vicla and prince and that's kind of why i landed on second because i think there are just so many teams that like will have difficulty competing against those three carries in the sense that there are not many rosters in the league that can go toe-to-toe at all three of those roles
0: i actually is very similar to the whole tl thing I'm kind of on the same page where I looked at this as kind of like a raw talent kind of deal, where again, I'm kind of drinking the Kool-Aid here of seeing like, okay, look, these are some really, really good players. And for that, that's why I Mm -hmm. couldn't put them that much further behind TL. If my logic was TL has these star players and I put them too, how could I put FlyQuest any lower? My couple of concerns, and do either of you know of any language barriers with this team? I'm a little bit uninformed on that matter. Uh,
1: Speaker, I know is fluent in Mandarin. Yeah tsm was doing that Mm -hmm. i don't know how good his korean is um so I, i i can't speak i know that awa knows some korean i i don't know how much um i yeah well uh I I I would I think it's safe to guess that there's going to be some language issues.
0: And that's what I expected, or that's yeah. what I suspected, rather. And so that's actually the reason why I was able to put TL above them, is I thought language okay. barriers have always been something that's continuously in the back of my mind. And I think that's for good reason. We've heard many times teams say how there can be language barriers and how that can affect the team, not just early on, but it might take a full split to get over those issues. And so that was something that was in the back of my mind. The other thing is, I don't think we saw um Speaker performed to the Speaker level all of last year now let's be real we know that the circumstances are not were not fair to him whatsoever but that doesn't take away the fact that he was not in an environment to perform for almost a full year and I think that could have like we talk about when players take a break and they're off for a year how that can affect their gameplay I would argue that it's just as bad to be on a team where there's issue after the sky issue is after just issue hauling around him Right, so I think, that, I think that could definitely impact the player's mental and impact the player's performance as well, and of course, their career with that. And so that's my other question, Mark, is, is I'm going to be looking at Spica a lot this year as to can he bounce back and get back to MVP Spica, or did that year absolutely just, you know, slow him down? I, I think that's a really,
1: like, in, in a sense, a fair assessment, because I, I was actually, like, I think the key member for me with this FlyQuest roster is actually Spica. Because I, I, I think the really exciting part about this roster is that I can't remember the last time that we've had imports the caliber of Vicklin Prince come to NA. Like, this is a guy that won LCK Rookie of the Year
0: mm-hmm. and
1: someone who I b- believed was an elite marksman. Like, uh, I, I really thought that, like, he was on the level of ruler in the Sivir meta, Prince was. And he demands a lot. But what he does with that is he wins you the game. Uh, if they can perform to that level... I, I do think that Speak is the one that has to make this work because, as you mentioned, the language barrier could be uh, something that speaker, you know, has to work on or work through. Uh, and also, yeah, I, I actually didn't think that Highway speaker last year. Obviously, at TSM circumstances were not great, but um, yeah, I, I think that like if any, I'm more worried about speaker than Ayla. I, I have a lot of confidence that AWA is going to be really, really good on this roster. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I think yeah. in terms of like how Speaka is positioned within this team, I think it's somewhat similar to TSM Summer 2020, where you're going to have these very strong laners, um, in Impact, Vikla and Prince, and it's kind of on Spika to control the rest of the map and sort of basically just be where he needs to be. He needs to sort of play the Smithy role in this team, if I had to, I had to give it a a tag like that. But uh, I I definitely am sort of on the same line of thinking with. Speaker is going to be pretty paramount to this team's success, I think, at the top. I do agree with your assessment that the individual prowess of this team is probably just going to naturally win them a lot of games, probably, you know, especially against those teams at the bottom of the standings. But I guess you stop me if I'm wrong here. The main reason, Cubby, why you have sort of FlyQuest ranked as number two is you think that individual prowess is just going to overpower any possible, you know, communication issues or rust early on in the season, right?
1: Yeah, like, if, if Prince and Vikla play to where I know Prince and Vikla can play, again, I don't think there are many teams that can match both.
0: And just from a, a story point of view as well, like, this can be such an awesome redemption arc for Spika. Like, y- I feel like if you're an LCS fan, generally you're a, you're a Spika fan, and so I think one of the best things for the LCS this year would be if Spika gets back to his MP- MVP form. I think a lot of fans would really, really appreciate that, and it would be great to see him uh, get back to how we used to see him. Uh, who's next, guys? C9 or 100 Thieves?
2: I think it's C9, based on where we have it.
0: Cloud9 only making one change. Uh, I have them in the four spot, JNT2 and Cubby5, just as a refresher. Um, I guess we have to talk about them letting go of Jensen. I I believe the message was they weren't able to afford. I, I remember watching a video, like, a month back that they, with the budget cuts to LCS and whatnot, they weren't able to afford Jensen. Um, he was the most expensive or something along those lines, and so they went with DiPlex instead. But the rest of the roster is staying the same.
2: Yeah, I don't necessarily know like the full contract situation, but if he was under the same contract as he previously, previously was with Team Liquid when he signed that extension, I think he was getting like over a million annually. I remember he signed some three-year contract extension. I, and...
1: I believe that TL bought Jensen out of that contract okay. before he hit the mm-hmm. market. So he would have signed something new i'm pretty sure that happened when he wasn't able to um find a play at home in spring gotcha Um, yeah
2: either way he's still probably a player who demands a lot in terms of salary
1: yeah Yeah. uh i think given what he's accomplished that's fair to assume
0: yeah um i'll start us off the guy that i am well i guess i'm going to be looking at the whole roster but the first one that comes to mind is i will be looking at fudge um I didn't think that Fudge was his, like, 2021 self last year. In 2022, we didn't see him get to the level that we had seen him a year prior. But this is another thing, kind of like Spika, you need to kind of point to some context and say, well, he had to roll swap in spring and then get back to top lane and try to own his skills before Worlds came around. And he got a lot of flack at Worlds for trying to play counter picks and trying to play carries in the top lane and just not performing well. I never really bought into that uh, criticism, if you will. I think if you're trying to win, you need to play some unique things. You can't just go in. I mean, how many times have we seen North American teams play boring-ass tanks top and just get absolutely smashed at Worlds? And there was a lot of criticism thrown his way for that. So I want to see Fudge bounce back. If I want to see Spika bounce back for FlyQuest, for me on C9, it's Fudge. I want to see him get back to top tier, top lane again uh, this year.
2: Yeah, I don't think it's, you know, I think losing to, to Zeus and, or Zeus and Flandre is pretty respectable.
0: <laughs> kind of, yeah, Losing is maybe a, a polite way to say it. He kind of got clapped, but but yeah. Uh, I, I mean,
1: I think that it, it's kind of hard for me because like I was critical of Fudge in the roll swap because I actually thought that copy would have been the better option for them at the time instead of making Fudge roll swap because I, I thought that Fudge is a, a good top liner, so it's kind of like, why are they doing this? uh when your backup's like better uh i'm glad that he went back and i i mean i the one thing i'll give fudge is that it always does feel like he's improved or like made a real effort to improve uh i think that that role swap did hinder him in worlds uh and i i want to give him a fair shake going into the next split because i i think that like so far from what i've seen at fudge it does feel like he has always gotten better i think there you know some flaws that may have stuck around but Thinking like when he first started with C9 and lock-in last year, and then what he did in that year time span was pretty impressive. Um, so I I do want to see what he does moving forward. Uh, I have his team to rank the lowest though, not because of fudge, but because of diplex. hmm Uh I don't think diplex is very good. <laughs> um Go I, <laughs> I, so I think that C9, like their mid lane coach, is uh Vigar v2. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that both these choices were influenced by the Midland coach, and you know, in in a part, like I, I think that this is a great strength of C9, but also sometimes they're Achilles heel. And it is one that I respect that they really like to drink their own Kool Aid. Um, I, I, I feel like whenever they make moves or you know bring people in, it kind of is like, all right, you, like do you fit in with like C9, like the culture, like our friend group that we have? It, it still kind of does feel like that vibe, like. The decisions that, like, the Max Waldo, Viger V2, kind of like that circle of coaches that we see on Twitter, you know, they, they, they have made choices to kind of bring in people from their group into the team. And I do partly respect that because, you know, you are trying to t- do, like, what's best. And Like, if Viger V2 feels like, hey, this is the best bang for our buck, uh, I can make this player a lot better if I work with him. And that in a sense, that is being a good coach, right? But it's also like, can you get those results fast enough? And for C9, I don't think it's the case. And honestly, the only reason I don't have them ranked lower is Berserker and Blabber. Uh, I, I respect Berserker too much as a player to put C9 like, out of top five. Um, if it wasn't for Berserker, then I, I would probably have C9 like six or seven, quite frankly. I think uh, that's
0: totally fair, Yeah. right? I mean, we saw Berserker put the team on his back in summer last year. Yeah, Just that's especially why in the won. league.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's it's why they won, and I think that's also something that a lot of fans are kind of uh, kind of forgetting about C nine is that this was a team that was in the middle of the pack for all of last year. They just so happened to be the best team in the patch the playoffs was on, on uh, Berserker, and they, they them won. Uh, again, like props to them. I mean, they, it's I'm not taking anything away from that victory. It was very impressive and a great run. But um, this was a team that for eighty ninety percent of the year was uh, like sixth through fourth. Uh, that is that's a fair third. criticism. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean I, I'm curious. I
2: obviously I mean have them ranked higher than the both of you. Um I mm-hmm. I, I will admit, you know, as the people on the show know I am a Cloud9 fan, but I do try to leave, you know, a good portion of my bias. Try to, good. try to push that to the side and try to give a bit of an accurate ranking. But I, I definitely would say that I think, you know, I'm I'm having them rank so high. Part part of it is because what you said with Berserker, you know, I think that Berserker and Sven are going to be better than they were last year, and I think a lot of that has to do with Sven, mainly because you could really see his his improvement throughout the summer split because it wasn't that great, you know, when it started off. You know, Ven's first few games on support, there was a ton of mistakes that he was making. You know, it was pretty clear that he was uncomfortable in the role, and you know, he was you know going through a bit of a learning process. But I think by the end of it, he turned out to be all right. You know, I don't think that he's going to be you know one of the top supports in the league. I think obviously players like Vulcan, players like Core JJ. You know, even if Ayla is as good as everybody thinks that he is, those three are probably going to be, you know, towards the top. And I think that Sven does have the chance to maybe sneak in there. I, I still don't think he'll be better than the likes of CoreJJ, but, you know, I think we saw improvements from from Sven over the course of the entire season. And Cloud9 traditionally has done a pretty good job of, you know, making improvements over the off season. And to go back to the diplex point a little bit, yes, they do drink their own Kool-Aid, but, you know, it is somewhat hard to argue with the data when they've done it so many times you know 2021 yeah. sorry no the beginning of 2022 was kind of a bit of a failure in terms of the choices that they made you know with players like winsome you know the whole summit thing didn't really work out berserker was really the only one from that you know ls phase of cloud nine that you know stuck around but you know you have countless examples of players in the past that cloud hat has been able to bring up through their system and you know i, I gotta sort of trust in history a little bit here
0: yeah it's, Again, it's hard it, to it, ignore, right? It's the right? kill his heel, Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it's a strength, but like, sometimes it can't be their fault.
2: Oh, I think that's a actually a great way of explaining it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think all eyes will be on Diplex. I have not seen him play one game, so I'll fully admit I don't know much about the guy. Uh, I'm just excited to see how he fits in with C9 and we'll see how that goes anything else on c9 guys um
2: i guess i would maybe i guess one of the reasons once again why i had them you know as number two is i would point back to fudge a little bit you know when we did see fudge at his peak sort of towards msi 2021 and even you know pretty solid performance in the summer split of 2021 he looked like the best top laner in the league and i don't necessarily think that the top lane pool is that absurd this year in comparison to years past you know i think the top lane, you know, champ, you know, the top lane pool in 2021 was probably more competitive than it is, in, you know, it was in 2022. And I think going into 2023, you know, obviously the big ones are going to be someday an impact. But he's been on their level in the LCS in years past. And we've seen that. Um, and then tenacity is kind of a bit of a, a bit of a wild card, I think, in here because he's probably the most hyped up rookie prospect that we have, maybe since Blabber. But even Blabber wasn't as hyped up when he came in, but I think, you know, we'll have to see.
1: I have thoughts. Uh, <laughs> The top lane pool is better this split because I think last split, like FlyQuest and Dig, they had multiple top laners in their system that would be like bottom five if you can like have like all 20 top laners in the ecosystem. Um, Like Gamsu and Hoon and Phillip and Kumo, like I would have put none of those players in my top...
2: Well, I mean, I, sorry, I guess maybe I should rephrase yeah. a little bit. I just mean more, like, at the top. like if, you know, I'm, okay. I'm sorry, but I'm not really, like, including those guys in terms okay. of, like, the competitive part of, you know, top lane. and.
1: Okay. Yeah, I, I think pound for pound, it's a bit stronger, maybe. But I guess 20, I'd have to go back and look at 2021. Um, I, I do think this is, a, this is a very competitive split of, of LCS. So uh, I, I am curious to see how things shake out. Like, Armit and Summit coming over is big.
2: But you so I guess I should I, I can well, I mean we'll we'll get into that when we talk dignitas but Armin yeah, yeah. I don't really have a lot of I'm I, I think I'm with the community on his decline
1: yeah I, I I think that he has like clear flaws in his gameplay but it's still better than like Hoon. I agree uh, so like yeah I, overall
0: I guess doubled up yeah. It's funny. I'm having flashbacks. JNT and I had this conversation some point last year that we were saying like the top lane pool was very like good at the top part and so bad at the bottom, which I think is kind of like the conversation that we're having here. It felt like there was very top heavy and very bottom heavy at the same time. There was no middle ground to the top lane pool, or at least it felt that way for a little bit.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, who's next, guys? I guess Thieves? Yeah, 100 Thieves yeah. sort
2: of rounds out our... Because I think we had the same teams in the top five had the same team in the top five just different order minus eg being
0: number one yeah so- jnt has them four for the listeners jnt has them four i have them five and cubby has them three this is probably one of the most interesting rosters coming into this year right you have the the goat whether you think it's double lift or whether you think it's and you have the goat on this roster and you have the runner-up as well so whether you think this team is good or not it's definitely exciting with two new rookies coming in tenacity i mean i, I guess I guess he's still a rookie, right? He was on the roster last year but didn't play. And then Busio, of course, and they still have closer. Like, how can you not be excited about this roster? I, I am excited about this
1: roster. Uh, and it's it's not for the most hyped prospect that uh, JNT has, but it's for my hope most hyped prospect, and that is Busio. Uh, I know that's like it's kind of hard to you know sell a support as being the most hyped like prospect. Um, I I have the most... So out of the promotions that we have this year, I have the most faith in Ayla to perform at the highest level the most consistently in spring. I have the most faith that Busio is like the highest ceiling player uh, that we have from this class. And I would put Busio... I I said this one, we gave him most valuable prospect, but I put him on the same prospect level as they can be in a Jojo Pion. This guy Mm. is a mechanically talented legal Legends player. That just so happens to play support he's not a mechanically talented support he's a damn good legal legends player that does play support kind of like kind of like a carrier if he is yes Uh, and that's what like the the funny nickname we were giving it was NA carrier we're calling carrier lck buzio Mm. that was a good time (laughs) uh but no this this guy like some of the highlights that he has from champs q and some of the things that he like does his ceiling mechanically is so incredibly high. Like it is like watching, like if I'm gonna, I don't know if you guys were watching a way back when. It was like when Afremov first started playing support with Doublelift and CLG. Like that, that is kind of the same vibes I get from Bucio and how like the ceiling of his mechanics and how like like it feels like he's a montage player that plays this role. It's crazy. Um, I think that there will be growing pains much like how jojo like was getting caught a lot in spring i think the same will happen for busio because he really does want to make plays and he can because he's good enough uh but i think in the long haul this guy is a freak in nature and he's going to be he has a potential to be the best support that na's produced like to uh, to compete with vulcan for that that title i really you're gonna be hyped up man no like that uh, that's really like where i put busio like he is he's a freak so i have hundred thieves at third because I have faith in Bucio and I also have faith in Tenacity. Tenacity is interesting. Uh, I, I'm kind of curious. You said he's the most hype, though. Why, why? I guess I would. For you? I
2: would say, I mean, I would. To me, that's what the community sentiment sort of seems to be. I think a lot of that has yeah. to do with his name just generally being brought up for the last two years when it comes to 100 Thieves. You know, I don't. I, I mean, if my memory serves me correct, he's been in the, the. He started in the 100 Thieves Next program like all the way back in mm-hmm. 2020 when it first started. And mm-hmm. it feels like every offseason, his name gets brought up and sort of those conversations, you know, is 100 Thieves going to move off of Sunday and promote him? And he's 100 Thieves, you know, going to let Tenacity go and maybe he might get onto a different LCS team. So I guess my my reasoning for saying, you know, he's the most the, the most hyped prospect just naturally has to do with the community sentiment around him. But that's just how it feels.
0: Yeah, I guess it kind of just comes down to like semantics a little bit. Maybe the, the verbiage, maybe most anticipated... Because it's been anticipated that he'll be joining the league for so long now. Maybe that's more of an accurate representation than actual hype. But me personally, I don't know much about tenacity. And so I was hoping, Cubby, you could feed us a little bit more of what to expect from this guy. Because we were expecting to see him maybe last year, right? And then someday, obviously, became an absolute god. And then kind of just said, no, this spot is mine. Uh, any information that you could share with us about tenacity?
1: I mean, I think sentiments are that he's the most hype because he has the most followers on Twitter. And probably interacts with the social circle that's like most within LCS already um and yeah there were scenarios where like he almost went to other teams in the past like um there were rumors flying around uh and yeah like those rumors were pretty true uh but ultimately i think what 100 thieves had a choice between someday and tenacity this off season i think it's safe to infer that tenacity would cost less than someday uh and 100 thieves ended up going with that option I don't think that says I think it says something about both things. That one, yeah, I mean budget was more of a concern. Uh, but also they feel like they can compete with this player. Uh, I'm not gonna go out here and say that tenacity is gonna be better than someday tomorrow. Cause I, I actually I think someday is like insane. Like I, I someday is a really, really, really good top laner. Uh that just so happens to be an NA. Uh I, I think that tenacity though I have I have more confidence in tenacity than most. Uh, I I just don't think he's the most hyped prospect, but I mean I do have this team third, and that is putting him above top pointers like Summit, uh, Fudge uh, that are up and coming. Uh, and I'm really looking forward actually to Tsinasi versus Dokla. because uh, they were both the uh, recent NACL promos at top line, and I I think they're I just I want to see that one v one. I I think I think pretty highly of both those top pointers, uh, and want to see how that goes.
0: Gotcha. People. So I had them fifth, and so I want to ask the both of you. How big of a concern is it that Doublelift had a long time off? But this is my biggest concern and why I had them fifth. As much as I'm still a Doublelift fan, as much as I still think that he's a good player, I'm concerned about a player that takes, what was it, two years off? And then also, I did not think he looked particularly great the last time we saw him. So w- while I wouldn't call myself a doubter of Doublelift, I do consider myself a skeptic because I think this is like kind of an experiment, but it's also, it's like, it's a weird experiment to have because it's with one of the best players we've ever had in this league. So it's like it's not like just your average player was off for two years. It's GOAT potential, right? And so that I find is really, really interesting. And I don't know how to feel about that. I think double lifts
1: he's never really given us a reason to like advocate for him not being able to be a wheat in his role. Like there have been times where he hasn't, but also pound for pound, like where he's been in his career is at a really high level and i i believe the human behind that is capable of hitting that level again even with the time off
0: i guess um, i'll just push back a little bit because of 2019 i think you know where i'm going with that right 2019 yeah, yeah, yeah. that was the class for those that don't remember that was the spring split doesn't matter meme and clearly had some motive was that 2020? Yeah. Maybe I'm getting my years mixed up, my mistake. Mm-hmm. But clearly some motivation issues and where we didn't see double lift at his best. That was kind of the last time that we saw him. He did look a lot better in summer afterwards when he went over to TSM, but still to me never got back up to the double lift level and then took two years off. And so that's where my concern comes from.
1: We'll see. Uh I mean, I everything you need to kind of talk about, like motivation and personal. I mean, uh, if that's there, I think that when double lift has had those things, he has been able to play an, an elite level. Yeah. Uh, but I will say that he's, you know, in his career, I don't think he's ever played against 80s, the likes of Prince and Berserker in the league. Uh, so yeah, I'm curious to see where he falls.
0: And the other thing that I'll add on to that now is like, I don't think anyone has any doubt of motivation now. Like, I, I don't like to give the fire under his ass argument. But if there is a guy you have to give it to, it's got to be double if now to kind of keep that uh, that that picture of himself that we all know him as right if there's anyone that is motivated to perform this split or this year it has to be double lift you would assume
1: yeah
2: I, I think i guess part of my reasoning for having them as four and maybe not you know up in the, the three or two range is partly due to to double lift i think there are you know there are a lot of better 80 carries in the league right now than, than him I, I think if i had to pick them out. You know, Prince is definitely better, Berserker's better. I think FBI is probably on a similar level to him, if not better, at this current moment. And so I think coming into the season he's starting probably a little bit lower on the totem pole than he's used to. And that might have to, you know, he's gonna have to do some 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 grinding and some clawing and scraping to, to work his way back up. But I definitely That's think fine. as a whole, I think one hundred thieves is definitely gonna be a team that'll be contending towards towards summer. I, I definitely don't disagree with, you know, Bucio and tenacity in terms of how you rate them coming into, coming into LCS, because I think that, you know, they are great prospects and they're going to be great players. But do I necessarily that, believe that they're going to have and achieve that level instantly? No. I mean, I, I just, it's, there's been very, very few players that have come into the league and just taken it over in their first split. And while I do think that 100 Thieves is still going to have a very, very, very solid base in Bjergsen, Closer, and Doublelift. I think it'll just take a little bit of time to sort of get up to get up to that level. If, I mean, I don't want to like extrapolate too far down the line here, but if we were doing this for summer and we had to pick end of 2023, I think FlyQuest and 100 Thieves are probably teams that will just naturally float up a bit more to the top um, than some of the other ones. And I guess last uh, thing I'll say on 100 Thieves is for whatever reason, if double Doublelift doesn't work out and he goes, he goes, <laughs> he goes, boom, they got him forgiven and you know, you're
1: ahead good too. of me. I that's was going that that's my hot take is that they got two ADs for Busia to play with instead of two supports for Doublelift to play with, you know. Yeah. I was
0: gonna ask you guys, does Doublelift get benched one game this year? I was gonna ask that.
1: Uh, I don't know. I I, I don't think so. I that's I a tough not, guy honestly, to bench, yeah. right?
0: Like,
2: I, I yeah. I think that's a
1: bold move.
2: I think you don't bench Doublelift. You'll you'd have to, you'd have to kick him, or he'd have to be just removed from the team if that were to happen.
1: I mean, yeah. it depends. Like, I think that he's humble enough to know that if he's playing like shit, then, uh, you know, Un- Unforgiven has to play. Uh, but we'll see. Uh, I mean, that's something that, you know, they're going to have to figure out and he's going to have to prove. Uh, I-, I don't know if that's a... It's hard in that a man. Like, it's just like... And because in LCK, like, I can point the Challengers League players that are actually just insanely good. And, like, if a player got benched for that, like, it's not really shameful. But that's not as much the case in Academy uh, or NACL now. Like, the caliber of plays, like... It is what it is, but it's not as high as like other dev leagues around the world. Uh, so I I know I know Unforgiven's obviously proven himself, but that that's a harsh expectation to put on someone who has accomplished so much, and that no one else in the league really has to wor- like deal with or worry about, realistically.
0: Yeah. Last thought I have on 100 Thieves, and then we can move on. Is I I see some hesitancy um, uh, from the community sentiment around Bjergsen. Um, I I just have to say, just because he's no longer like. Goat in season three, season four, where he's just 1v9ing every game does not mean this guy is not still a good mid laner. I thought he had a good year last year, even if it wasn't, uh you know, best player in the league. I think there's still a little bit too much disrespect on Bjergsen just because people were expecting him to come back and be the best player in the league automatically. I still think you have a top tier mid laner in the LCS. And so I think that's just a piece that can't be ignored either.
1: He team fights really well still. Uh, it's just nighting is where I think he uh fell behind JoJo and some of the likes of others. But we'll see if he can
0: improve. Again, he's accomplished a lot. So yeah. Uh, let's go J and T. Let's move on to what dig.
2: Yeah, we'll do dig next. Um, you both had them at six. I had them at seven.
0: Dignitas seems to be that team that if one of those teams that we already talked about faltered, it feels like Dignitas is next up to take that spot in my opinion. Uh, they got Jensen, Santorin. I thought Santorin was the best player on Team Liquid last year. I will stick to my guns with that. Um, I think Dignitas probably got a steal getting this player. I think he's one of the best junglers in the league, if not the best. Um, he's fantastic. And so big Santorin fan. I uh, I like the pickups that Dignitas got, and I was not expecting them to put what I would consider to be a, a competitive roster together. I was not ready for that.
2: Oh, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, guess, I guess I'll go next then. Um, I definitely agree that Santorin is the biggest pickup of this roster. Um, I guess one of the reasons why I had them a little bit lower than the book. I don't really have faith on anybody outside of Santorin and Jensen, basically. I, I think if Dignitas is going to succeed, it's going to be because of Santorin and Jensen kind of just like 2v8ing the game. And if they falter, I mean, I think they just have too many weaker players i just don't think that you know our moot is going to be able to match the the level of our top laners like fudge you know tenacity maybe if he's there summit and impact um and someday you know i don't think that spawn and Egnar are going to be at the level of bot lanes like cloud nine bot lane under t bot lane flight bot lane eg bot lane maybe even the team liquid bot lane you know if yon if is going to play at a similar level to what we've seen before so to me it's more just you know the rest of Dignitas isn't going to be able to keep up with their strong points in Jensen and Santorin.
0: Um, one of my issues here is I'm a little bit uninformed on Spawn, so maybe Cubby can help speak to that a little bit. Um, but the other thing, J&T, that I want to ask you about is it seems like you don't have any faith in Ignar anymore. Have you lost confidence in him because? I still think Ignar could be a really, really solid support. I mean, when I think of Ignar, I think of him playing Rakan, finding the team fight flank that wins them the game. But maybe I'm just holding on to old Ignar a little bit too much. What do you think?
2: I mean, I guess it probably has to do with what their bot lane is going to look like on a game-to-game basis. I know we did see Spawn in the LCS for five or six games at the end of summer. Um, you know, I, I, to be honest, nothing really stands out in terms of what he did. I, you know, I, I don't really recall too much, but... You know, if this is a bot lane that's going to be behind for the majority of lanes, and it's going to be down 10-20 CS, and it's just going to be getting pressured out of lane. You know, that's where I think Ignar can sometimes struggle, when he doesn't have the ability to make those game-winning plays, even though that's always something that seems to be in his back pocket, whether it's, you know, Alistar, Rakan, you know, even his Thresh is pretty dirty when Thresh gets into the meta. So I think it's just, I think I would just say my main concern with this roster is going to be Spawn and Armut. You know, I just don't so, think that Igna yeah. is gonna have that same ability should the team be at a deficit.
1: I, I actually think that Jensen and Spawn are a pretty good pairing. Um so for me, Spawn like we had three really strong ADs in Academy last year, and they were Cowrie, Yawn, and Spawn. Uh I think Cowrie was probably the best out of all of them just because he had the best lane phase and was able to pull off some crazy plays later. Um Yawn was Yawn and Spawn though were right behind him. And I think it's an interesting argument for who's better between the two. Because there are different players. Like, I, I think that Yawn's much better at laning. Uh, but Spawn, I think, really does excel in team fights. He has really good movement. Um, and I, I think that he actually makes good decisions at later stages of the game. Uh, so I, I am really curious to see if Spawn can show that on Dignitas. I don't think that he got a fair shake when he did appear on the team last year, because they made the trade. Yeah. And it was kind of mm-hmm. like an LCS light roster. And in Marksman, if like if you aren't lane dominant and you're on a team that isn't able to win any other lanes, you are just going to look bad. Uh, I think that Spawn will have some opportunities to look good in this upcoming year. And I think that people will be surprised at what he can do in some of these team fights. So to me, actually, I, I think this build makes sense, what Dig put together. And I think it's exciting that Dig is like, one of the exciting parts about LCS this year is like CLG is running back a, a roster that had some success more than what people thought. I think IMT made some good changes. Like some of the lower teams are much more competitive. FlyQuest is a top team now. Uh, it's like one of the reasons that I think LCS is really exciting for this next split. Uh, I think yeah. that it Digs a part of that, but I do think that Digs the team that you have to beat this team if you want to like think about Worlds. They're the bar. Like,
0: They're the litmus yeah, test.
1: Yeah, this team is the bar. This the this yeah. team. If you want to be top four, top three, you have to beat Dig.
0: Every year there needs to be a team that is the bar, and I I like that we do that in in the LCS community, if you will. I think that that's a good thing to do. So, okay, we'll we'll remember that, JNT. Dignitas is the bar as per Cubby. He sets the rules. Gotcha. Um, I like the point that you made about kind of um, why it's not necessarily fair to, to judge Spawn off of being put into what is obviously not the greatest of situations, and I feel like we see that so often with the lcs i mean we'll get to kenby well, in a sec but i think he's another guy yeah, to yeah. point point two that was kind of thrown to the wolves if you will you know what i mean and so I, I, yeah. that's another guy that i think all lcs fans need to kind of have a fresh start and look at him this split while starting with the team at the start of a, of a year and see how and kind of judge him by that rather than just the end of summer split once teams are kind of eliminated already yeah. Guys are being traded, guys are being put down to, to Academy and all that stuff. It's kind of a, it's just not a fair situation to judge a player.
1: I mean, even for Chime, right? I, I was talking to Chime at the kickoff event, and this is the first time that Chime's been with a team in spring. Uh, so like he's someone that I think that, you know, performed rather admirably in tough circumstances with TSM, because as you mentioned, uh, Academy players getting in, thrown in the bad spots. That was mostly TSM on uh, what they were going through <laughs> last year. Uh, but I mean, Shime did perform well and he deserved, he earned a starting spot. And so I'm, I mean, it is also going to be interesting to see what he can do when he starts with the team for this split, too.
0: Yeah. Uh, next up, we have CLG. Now, I'll just ask you guys right off the bat. Do you guys feel as scummy as I do for putting them seven after there was, like, so much hype around yeah. them? Everyone was excited for bit. CLG. I thought... They finished yeah. fourth, and, like, they run back the same roster, and we all got them in the bottom five. Like, I just feel like a piece of shit.
2: I think for me, CLG was my bar. Like, if I... That was the bar for me. Like, you gotta beat CLG. In summer? Or in spring? In spring no, no I, mean, it, it, no. I mean, if going into 2023, CLG is the bar. CLG uh, is the team you need to
0: beat. I,
1: I feel like this might be a summer ranking. And I also feel like CLG could take third, and I just would not be surprised uh, in spring. But like, I don't know. Because I feel like this team is like a flawed masterpiece in a sense. Like, (laughs) they aren't perfect, but they do meld together well. And I really feel like this is, can be a split where we see contracts be like a really good jungler. I've always thought that the community view of contracts was way worse than it was. I mean, I value playmaking. And I feel like contracts, like he sends it too much, but I would rather have that than someone that doesn't send it enough. Uh, and I think that I over time, with. like we saw that that like worked out for contracts. Like spring, to summer was much better, uh, given like what the team was doing. And I feel like he feels comfortable and confident with where he's at right now, and that for me is really exciting because contracts is a player that I feel like a lot of people don't give credit to how mechanically talented and how good of a jungler this guy is. Uh, I mean, he's had some tough spots, but I actually I think really highly of him. Uh so I, I that's honestly the biggest reason I felt dirty putting them here um I, I again I like if COG was 5th I wouldn't blink an eye and if they were 3rd I I would be a little bit surprised but again I I really wouldn't
0: Yeah like it's you could see living in that world even if we're not expecting it but I I yeah. totally agree I I just my thoughts are this team lives and die by, dies by contracts, right? I mean, we cannot talk about this team without talking about how bad his performance was in spring. In my opinion, he was the worst player in the league in spring, and then he was one of the best junglers in summer, and it was like night and day. And so that's why it's so hard to rate this team. It's because, look, I don't want to ignore that they looked great in summer, but one split, and, and I can't forget the split that happened just prior to that. It's like, I don't know how to judge this team. So that's the the um, the really difficult thing about where to rank this team on top of that we did see other players really step up as well palafox had a really good summer as well and that's when you started to gain a lot of respect and a lot of the players around the league we heard we heard countless times bjergsen say that he thought palafox was such an underrated mid and how he thought that um he's a guy that deserves more credit than he actually gets and and then dokla came back and dokla had such a, a good start to summer as well and so we started to see these pieces absolutely show up out of nowhere and so how do you judge a team where like they just keep surprising you time and time again. You don't know what to expect. And so I struggled a lot with with CLG, but ultimately I ended up putting them in the 7th spot.
2: Yeah, I think it'll it'll be a pretty interesting dynamic to see pretty much the only team in the LCS since, since like, you know, the 100 Thieves days where they ran, you know, a roster back three splits in a row. You know, it's one of the rare situations we have where the same roster is coming back. and know there was A couple rumors in the offseason that they might replace one player but you know clg retaining the entire roster i think will be very important to their their placement and their standings in the spring split you know kind of to piggyback off cubby a little bit you know it wouldn't really surprise me at all to see clg in the top five even the top four maybe and i think a lot of that might have to do with clg coming out strong at the gate um and then maybe falling off a little bit towards the end and i think we've seen that from a lot of teams in the past i remember was twenty twenty one. Is that when Dignitas was running their whole NA roster and they had a really strong start to the split in spring, was like ten and five, and then yeah. they ended up like losing the last three games in the season, got oh three in playoffs and then They was, benched
0: um Dardock. Yeah, right?
2: they had dardoch on, that was when he was doing his like A to Z jungle challenge where he was picking <laughs> a unique champ every game. But you know, I, I definitely see CLG as you know maybe a team that can benefit a lot off of winning, you know, games towards the beginning of the split. I always say this for you know, the perceived bottom teams in the LCS, the first four weeks of the season is so important to their potential, you know, playoff push or, you know, wanting to break into the top four because the the time is at, right at the beginning to capitalize on all those other teams who are running newer rosters and are maybe making a lot more changes than, than CLG is.
0: Uh, anything else on CLG, guys, or should we move on to Golden Guardians?
1: Uh, I think Thinkard actually deserves some credit with CLG, too. Um, he... Luger actually really changed his play in summer. I think that was a big part of their success. Like he was never really a Senna Seraphine player. Uh, that was a huge core. And I think the Think Card and COG actually benefited from, from some really good meta reads. And I'm really curious to see with, especially all the changes that we have coming really quickly and uh, 13-1 now and 13-2 looking forward. I'm wondering if uh, Think Card and COG can prove that, you know, they can stay on top of things again. I thought they really had strong meta reads and that really benefited them last summer.
2: Yeah, it does feel like thirteen two is going to be a big sort of, you know, shift, for you know, for better or worse for certain teams.
0: Did they get the coaching staff award, or was that somebody else?
1: Uh, I think summer? it was someone else, but I thought they deserved it. Um, yeah, but I remember I mean, coaching it should be them. I think, it was, really
2: I think it was. I think it was E. G. in summer
1: twenty twenty two. Like, mm. I don't, ha- I don't like, have any votes, like, media votes like that. But, like, I think I just always recuse myself from coaching. Uh, I-, I just don't know how to rate that.
0: We say that all the time on this podcast. Yeah. How do you judge a coaching? V- like, hard. yeah. I, I don't I- know. I, I can't I- praise I'm them for there. meta reads, though. Like, like as a team, they had-, they
1: had good meta reads.
2: CLG did uh, get coaching staff this the split yeah. in summer 2020.
1: Oh. Yeah, okay. That was go. deserved, yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, okay, let's do Golden Guardians now. I'm mm. going to start off by talking about Stixey because I think Stixey was a player that was seriously overlooked last summer. Yes. Another yes. team that was on fire by the way, like not in a good on fire, bad on fire. Like this team was not in a good situation. I thought Stixey was still looking really really good. Yep. I like him being reunited with Huhi. I I think this team he just needs a fresh start, man. Just needs a fresh start. Um yeah okay i see that cubby's pretty excited to talk about stick i'll let you i'll let you have the uh the next uh, word. yeah
1: i mean i have Siri like rated right above gg but i think that for me like tier wise i kind of have these three teams as probably you know most likely to be least likely to be above top five like that that's kind of like how i view the yeah, team. yeah um Stixay was actually like again i think marksman is a role where it's really hard to perform on a losing team and stick for for like me was someone that was doing well in losing situations like couldn't agree more maximizing deep dps he had good lanes um he was also crushing an academy in spring when he- him and chime were playing they were a really good lane uh they were the only one that really went up against yana and were well um so i'm glad that you at least highlight Sticksay as someone that you know can have positives um I think that how Gory likes to play the game doesn't fit the current meta that we're going to see at the start of spring. Uh, Gory wants to scale in team fight. Uh, I don't know if G- GG did not play that way. And I'm really curious if Gory like, switches play styles and is able to do so successfully or not. Um, and I just have overall doubts on how like, how this team can win games against the other teams in the league on a consistent basis. I like, get like above 500 basis.
2: Yeah, I think this Golden Guardians roster is sort of is going to suffer sort of a similar fate to you know last year's Golden Guardian roster, which was you know weak solo lanes. I think you know it's to the people listening to this podcast, it's no surprise to hear us shit on Licorice, just because you know I just think he's been the worst top player in the league for probably the last year now, and you know it's kind of something that we've been rolling with for the last little while, and to have him still on the roster to me is a bit surprising considering how much he struggled, uh, considering how much resources they put towards the top side of the map in 2022, you know, we saw a ton of Licorice counterpick games. I remember, I think they ran like four or five Irelia into NAR matchups, which in the past we've seen has been a very great matchup for Irelia, but Licorice, you know, sort of just continually struggles when resources are put into him, so I, I just think that, you know, my main reasoning for having Golden Guardians as sort of, you know, in that lower tier and least likely of teams to sort of reach top five top six which is playoffs is just going to be purely off the back of their solo laners i mean river as much as i love river i just think that he's kind of put in a bit of a shit situation again when it comes to that but if there's any positive to take away from golden guardians it's definitely in the bot lane i think Sticksay was a player we tried to highlight a lot last year despite golden Guardians' struggles because even with you know sticks and ole like they were still playing you know very very well and i think he's going to be an upgrade over ole so i expect that bot lane to be as good if not better um it's just a question of if licorice can maybe reduce some of the high death games that he's having and if gory is going to sort of fit into the picture
0: i i share the same concern about licorice um the biggest thing for me was the games where they would try to put the game in his hands so like he he's known for having the the fiora pocket pick but whenever he got fiora last year he just wasn't able to do anything with it and i think that If you're going to have a guy where you want to put the game in his hands, you need to be able to perform with it. And he just wasn't able to. Mind you, it's not like he played, like, 10 games of Fiora. I I couldn't tell you how many he played. But I I do know that he got uh, enough picks where I thought he should have been able to shine at some points in the year, and we just didn't see it. And so I share the the same concern that you do, JNT. I I really do think that River can have a bounce back year, though. Again, another guy that was not put in a good situation. He got traded to a team that was clearly not at the best uh, uh, as far as morale is concerned. And so I think a fresh restart for, for River is, I think, totally warranted and needed because I still think that that guy's got it in him. I I mean, we've seen him perform, whether it goes back to his days with, uh, with PSG, um, I, I don't. Want to give up on River just yet? I think that he can still be a top tier jungler in the league. I,
1: he could be really good for Gory or really bad. And like I know (laughs) it's vague, but because again, like Gory wants to, like from what I've always seen, like when Gory's at his best, it's been like the late game, like team fighting and just playing like stuff that scales. Um, River with some of the craziness that he likes to pull off in the early game can sometimes really help like cheat you some leads to slow down the game and get gory set up really well moving forward but also how much is gory gonna move or sacrifice to try and support those that's the real question for me and kind of like where things i'm curious to see how that like push and pull will go gg has to given like the tape i've seen of these guys in the past that's something that you know they'll have to adapt to or figure out
0: all right uh next up we have tsm
1: uh, I I can't believe that you guys have uh TSM not last by the way. I think you might be the only people I've talked to that do not have TSM in tenth.
0: I'm gonna probably throw the same sentence at you about IMT, but I think I know why you have IMT rated higher. But we'll get to them in a second. Um. All right. Where where should we? I'll let you start with this one. JNT. Where do you want to start with TSM?
2: Um. I guess you know TSM just kind of reached my eighth by default, and I think that's more because of my opinions on Golden Guardians and Immortals. Um. I definitely think that there's a ton of value in them keeping, you know, three of their five members from last year, Solo, Chime, and Maple. I think we did see a lot of good things from Solo and Chime in their limited amount of games that they played in summer 2020. I, I know, it was like during that whole like when Spica, sorry, not Spica, uh, Tactical and Mia were shifting bot lanes and whatnot. And I don't know. It, it's really hard. I don't have a lot of thoughts on TSM. They kind of just hit eighth by default because. I guess I just think their in their individual players are a little bit better than what they have on Golden Guardians and Immortals.
0: Yeah, it, it what's weird to me is like one of the players that I I have a lot or I put a lot of thought into, but it could never really come to any conclusion is a player like Solo, because I, I think most people are in agreement this guy belongs in the LCS, but I still don't see him as being a top five top laner at all. I still see him being in the bottom five, but just to cut him some slack, like. I remember when they were making that run in 2020 with FlyQuest. I remember that run pretty pretty well and constantly he was just picking like the tank top and he was put on tank duty and then he was getting counterpicked yeah. and it's Set hard Renekton. to get Yeah, it's hard to get a lot of information when you're constantly getting counterpicked and so I was never too hard on him for that for those kinds of reasons and then we saw him step away from the LCS. So even though there's this guy that's been around for quite some time, I still feel like I need more information and usually you don't need that with a guy that's a, a long-time veteran like Solo, but he's another guy that I look at him and I'm just like, I still can't come to a conclusion about this player.
1: I I think that Solo, like, I, so what I, like, really value in top laners and, like, evaluate, like, I don't like the style that Summit plays. Like, for me, Summit plays like the jungler is not there. I actually really like how Solo plays top lane because I feel like one of the things that does make Solo really good and why he's always been strong on champs like GP and Ornn that he's really good at managing waves, so that can be like just keeping the wave in the right spot, trimming it when it's about to crash to make dives harder, or you know, like knowing when to crash himself. I think that's actually something that Solo's like pretty good at, especially when he's in losing matchups, which is a real skill to learn as a top laner.
0: And so, uh, what is it exactly that has you put them tenth in? There's got to be something that's putting a seed of doubt yeah. in your mind.
1: Uh, who's going to carry this team? <laughs> good question. Because uh, it's Yeah, it's it's not going to be Solo um i can't is neo good enough to carry like neo has been given resources before and he's looked okay but i think he's much stronger in lane than in team fights and then maple if they just want to play uber fast that's not a playstyle that i've seen solo traditionally support and excel at. so they have to go bot and like can neo chime win maybe i i think that ch- chime is someone that i wouldn't put 10th in his role uh but I mean, for the rest of this team, like they have language barriers to get through too with like Maple, Boogie and uh, like uh, the rest of the squad. We'll see how that works out. Um, I have concerns. I, I don't know, like kind of like Dig, I don't know how they mesh and who carries, except they don't have Santor and Jensen. Gotcha. That's fair. fair I, I
2: think, you know, I definitely think it's a valid point when you say um, who is going to carry this team. But I think at the same time, when it comes to the LCS specifically, I think, Especially towards the bottom it's not necessarily always who can carry it's who can capitalize on mistakes And i think that tsm in general has traditionally been a, a really good team off capitalizing you know mistakes off of their off of their opponents and i think that even though you don't necessarily have that that star power in you know players like solo maple or neo i think they're all you know good enough and i should even good enough sounds like i don't think they're very good i think they're solid players and i think that when put in a given situation and their opponent makes a mistake, they're going to be able to capitalize off that. And I just think that, once again, with rosters like Immortals and Golden Guardians, I expect a lot of mistakes from, from, from those two teams specifically.
0: Yeah, I don't have much more to add on TSM. Do you guys? Because I kind of want to get to the Immortals part about this. Because I think the reason why I have TSM ninth is because I have Immortals 10th, if that makes any sense. I'm
1: actually, I'm actually curious Do you guys think about Immortals too.
0: So, um, yeah, let, let's get into them then. So, uh, let me ask you first. Is the reason why you have them number 8 because of kenby mainly? Uh, it's for an
1: assortment of things. Um, okay, I actually think their two v two is going to be a lot better than what people are going to give him credit for. Uh, Should we
0: start off as the doubters, J and T, and then let him pick us apart? Maybe.
2: Yeah, I guess. If, if I mean, I'll just state my <laughs> my reasons, and they're not that extensive. But mm-hmm. tactical, ablaze, olive, and revenge—that is just. I think that's a pretty awful trio, if you ask me.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I actually have to copy and paste that. I think they were all towards the bottom of their role last year. Um, I mean, what can I say? Uh, Revenge would get a lot of counter picks. Uh, he would get um, carry matchups and just not being able to do anything with it. I thought that he was just slightly worse than Licorice, but kind of the same uh, issue. A Blaze Olive was you're ganking level three and he's dying. Um, A lot of the times he would die, not even just in laning phase, even when it came to uh, lane assignments rather later in the game. If you put a Blaze Olive in a side lane, it was unfortunate, but he would die quite often, which was a total uh, turnaround from his year prior because 2021, I thought Olive actually had a really good year, and we were getting hyped for him coming into last year, and then I thought he didn't perform very well. And again, I'll just echo the tactical thing. I I think it's hard to be so critical because... I do remember his TL days, and I remember him hopping around on Callista, 1v9-ing the game, but we just didn't see any of that last year. And look, if I'm going to cut slack for Spica of being in an awful situation, I think it's fair to do the same with Tactical, but that doesn't mean that I can pretend like he was popping off. He he just did not have a good year whatsoever. And so um, I just have doubt in those three players. The one guy that I do give a lot more slack to is Kenvi because we saw that he would play like carry junglers or at least when you look through his champion pool i you would expect that he would play carry junglers but then when he came up to the lcs he was put on poppy duty maybe some sejuani i don't really remember i remember him playing poppy and just things that or maybe trundle and just things that you can't take over the games with and so my theory cubby was that you were maybe putting him number eight thinking that they would play more of a style that would allow kenby to shine is that true or false
1: kind of so like when kenvi got promoted like i made a threat on all their promotions in summer um and my biggest concern was like how he'd mesh with poe and i think that was very apparent from like day one like they his first game he first timed Talia on stage because they first picked Talia, and then poe took victor to pair with it which like just made an unwinnable scenario um then poe like tried to play towards the end by like, picking up silas well poe has never really been a melee player or a silas player and yeah, I, I give him props for trying, but also like it was clear that he wasn't good on that champion. Uh, and Kenvi, I thought, in playing in a meta that really was one that he was never known for, uh, I actually thought he actually performed pretty well, uh, especially like, given the team that he was on. Um, I, I do have a lot of confidence in Kenvi. Uh, the reason I actually have this team ranked higher is that I think that Revenge and uh, Tactical have more carry potential than the likes of the sides of both GG and TSM, even with their flaws. Uh, I think Tactical, it's very fair to say that he lost a lot of games. I still think that Tactical mechanically is a good player. Him and Fleshy, I think you're going to take some bot wins by surprise. Uh, and if going can use that to get Weeds and go from there, that's good. ABO, for me, he wa- yeah, I think he was just inconsistent. That's the biggest thing. Because there were still some games where it's like, holy crap, like, crap. Like, ABO is hard carrying this game. Like, he cannot miss. Like, uh, that's like 20% of his games. Like, he will just give you a win. But then there are, like, the others where he was just losing the game for you. A lot uh, of
0: positional mistakes honestly stood out. Yeah. I, I remember thinking he was okay if he was on Corky because yeah. he could escape, but if he was on Victor, he was just dead. Yeah,
2: that was just kind of the meme. If he, if he was playing a champion with no dash, his flash is on cooldown every time.
0: Yeah, so
1: I, I think that, like, again, I, I agree that he wasn't consistent last year, but I, I still think that, like, this team, they have ways to win. Uh, and I, I really feel like right now in league, like, with the meta. It's more valuable to play to sides and not through mid. And that's something that ABO can do with Kenby. Um, and they actually have sides that I think can carry harder than GG and TSM. That's why I had them at eighth.
2: That's fair. I'll, I'll definitely, to just to throw it back to your first point uh, that you made right when we started talking about Immortals, I definitely agree with you when you say that I think that tactical can surprise people You know, when it comes to the 2v2 in the early game. Because even though we struggled a lot on TSM, even during those times on TSM, they got a lot of two v two solo kills um, when Tactical was involved, and you know he's not a bad laning player by any means. I, I just, I guess in my case compared to yours, I think I I weight those those game losing mistakes um a lot higher than his his game winning potential.
0: All right, well I think that's it, but guys rather for the uh, for the power rankings. Uh, before we move on, I want to remind people listening on YouTube to hit the subscribe button. If you're enjoying the content, hit the like button too. Comment. You guys know what to do. That helps out uh, us quite a bit. It helps YouTube know to recommend our content. Uh, we cannot recommend you guys hit the like button and that stuff enough. It helps us tremendously. On top of that, if you're new to us and you want to catch us live, JNT and I are looking at a new schedule this year. We're looking to be live Sunday nights around 7 p.m. EST. That would be 4 o'clock on the West Coast. Um, that's tentative. That could change. But if you're trying to catch us live, twitch.tv slash Podcast, you can find us on there. Um, Cubby, anything you want to shout out? Anything you want to plug? This yeah. is your time uh no thanks for having me uh, i'm making an effort
1: to you know anyone that like wants to talk about nacl or stuff like that just to hop on podcasts so um yeah thanks for reaching out and hopefully it was so fun to have me on for the the day uh give me a follow on twitter uh it's on your screen or at cubby xx same on twitch and then on youtube as well i am cubby master six on there which is a bit different uh okay. might work on fixing that but i my plan one of my plans for this year is i i need to edit videos more uh we don't have video editing support anymore for NACL, so it has to be us. I was already doing some of the video edits, but I need to get better. So I'm going to have a few personal projects I'm working on, including a podcast from our house mm. uh, that will be coming starting on, hopefully, if we can get all of our equipment in uh, the 24th. Uh, Interesting. So Tuesdays. Yeah. going to okay. be a lot of fun.
0: Before, uh, just so you know, we're, we're, if people think we're ending the show, we're not ending just yet. We will try to pick your brain a little bit yeah. because... Most of our listeners are LCS fans, and I don't think they get to see your face enough. So we are, what we're going to do is we're going to ask you a few questions about the NACL, but also some questions about yourself. Yeah. Um, I guess it, it, let's start with the NACL kind of area, JNT. So I was wondering if there's any specific players, or teams for that matter, that you think LCS fans should be more invested in in the NACL. If you think there's players that are underrated, don't get enough attention, Ooh. or anything like that
1: uh i mean i so i think that like with NACL, it's always really exciting because like we do have these prospect players that you know could really like make a jump and make a splash uh it's so, like for example hunter thieves like their top side is sniper plus yukino uh they're like 16 and 17 year old for this next year uh they've been very high ranked in solo queue sniper is of course the younger brother of viper uh he actually sniper has a twin brother as well who's very high ranked too so it's, like, one of the first, like, generational talents, <laughs> in a sense, like, given, like, his age. And I think that he's definitely someone that I, I don't need to really talk about because a lot of fans are already familiar and very excited for this player. Uh, But others, like, I really like FlyQuest's roster Um, for challengers. I think that they... Last year, we had 16 promotions from Academy, like, from Amateur to Academy. Uh, And so a lot of the second years are... Uh, like Philip, UG, Spirax would be a couple of them. I think that they have a lot of upside. Uh, And that's a team that I feel like across the board took younger players and are going to really try and push them and get more out of them. And that's kind of what the exciting thing is about NACL is, you know, kind of seeing how you can develop everyone, but especially the younger players that have less experience. Uh, So, yeah. And then besides that, we have six more teams this year, which is very exciting uh, as we have the provisional teams and with a promotion relegation style at the end of the year as well.
0: Yeah, could, could you explain real quick just how that works, if uh, if it doesn't take too long to explain? Because yeah. I'm kind of curious myself how that's going to work.
1: No, this is good. I just wrote the script for like our format video, so this is good. Um, but w- what we have for NACL, so it's 16 teams. There are 10 fixed teams. Uh, those would be the academy teams that are grandfathered in. Then there are six provisional teams. Uh, so these six provisional teams are subject to promotion and relegation. There will be a qualifier, two qualifier tournaments that run alongside NACL uh, that those matches will actually take place before our match days. So the Saturday, Sunday, Monday. It's not going to start the first couple of weeks, but it will a couple of weeks into the uh, season. So the so... top four teams from those qualifiers will face the bottom four teams are the provisional teams in NACL uh, given their placement uh, in the, the tournament or the regular season that we have going on. And then those teams will meet uh to like after our seasons concluded like in mid-April to determine who is in NACL for the the next split or not
0: okay I understand so it's I I get it there's kind of like a um uh well the word escapes me you you just said the word what what,
1: promo relegation yeah yes the relegations
0: yes that's the word I was looking for interesting that they're bringing that back in in some capacity I think a lot of people really miss there's I mean I know there's a lot of people that really miss relegations but for obvious reasons can't really be done in the LCS anymore for teams yeah. that paid X million dollars to enter the league. Uh JT, any other questions for Cubby? I definitely have some myself, but I'll let you handle a few if you have Yeah, any. I
2: guess uh, sort of on the flip side of, you know, maybe some of the younger players to keep an eye out on. Are there any sort of older, maybe LCS veteran players who are who are now in the sort of Academy Challengers ecosystem you think then can sort of make their way back into LCS? Because I think we've seen a lot of examples quite recently of Players who've come into the LCS, failed, worked their way back up through the Academy Challenger scene, and now are back in the LCS. I mean, you know, you want to point to C L G, but you know, Dokla mm-hmm. contracts, those those are two big ones.
1: Yeah, I, I think yeah, I I mean Sazel being back is actually very exciting. I've always actually thought really highly of Cezel as a player, uh, even when he wasn't competing in LCS. Uh, but I, I think a couple like specifically mid lane, uh Insanity had a really good split last year. Uh, And I'll give Insanity a lot of props. He actually played on 100 Next, an amateur team. And uh, Sniper was, like, and Fnatic were both pretty vocal about how much just he helped Sniper and, like, the team kind of come together. And he played really well with Dignitas. They were actually our runners-up for Proving Grounds. Uh, And then Ryoma's back. And Ryoma has, for whatever reason, he wasn't on a team last split, uh, which was a bit of a crime. Uh, But... Whenever he's played in the Academy, he's always been top three in his role and actually finished top three at the end of the season as well. Uh, so those are two laners that I feel like are actually pretty talented that, uh, you know, didn't have the best LCS run. But for me, I've always performed very well at our level and, you know, are making a good case for them to kind of get more opportunities. Uh, I, I also, he's not competing this split, but I also have to shout out Armeo. It's a crime mm. and a half that he doesn't have a team. Yeah. Uh, as he would have been my MVP for summer. Um like given how he, it would have been him or Ayla, but I think I, I probably would have leaned towards Armeo given how strong the jungle pool was and how well he played in the second half of summer. Uh, the fact that he is teamless uh, is a crime, and uh, he is really good. Uh, always had a good champs queue rank too, uh, so I'm really hoping that Armeo finds a nice home. Sooner than later,
2: it feels like for some reason that Armeo has been like he's in the solo bucket for different reasons. Where he just he's like that player that teams go to in sort of a time of need. It's like oh, our top laner you know is sick or something, or you know our our jungler is sorry, and he's just the guy that you bring in. He's had a lot of success on you know Team Liquid and TSM, kind of being that super sub. And I definitely Mm -hmm. agree. He feels like a player that is LCS level and should be on a team, but just can't find his way onto one.
0: A lot of these players that we talk about are so often forgotten when they go back to academy or now NACL, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, and I, the guy I need to point to is contracts as to why you should not give up yeah. on these players, guys. Yeah, like I think that needs to be said so much more often that like we can't just forget about these guys because they're no longer in the LCS. like these are guys that clearly have an ability to compete in the LCS and in contracts case, not only just compete but actually stand out as one of the best in summer of last year right yeah so, uh, yeah i can't say enough how much uh i think we do a bad job when it comes to just we just forget about players because they're no longer in the lcs i think it's a big disservice to some of the north american talent that we have
1: yeah and i, I do want to highlight like for me dokla was such a great example of this because the ecosystem below lcs has been changing quite a bit uh i think they've made good changes but, like it first started with the elimination of scouting grounds the creation of proving grounds there's actually a tournament where Academy teams competed against the top amateur teams. And, you know, uh, the first one, Noorg won. Uh, like, they were an amateur team.
0: Oh, that's right. Kind I of forgot a big, about that. It was mm-hmm.
1: kind of a middle finger to, like, a lot of the teams. And I think that's one of the reasons that we saw 16 promotions from amateur to Academy like, going into 2022. Now, we saw less this year, which I actually think is healthy. Like, I don't want to see one-and-dones. I want to see teams, like, it's fun for me The FlyQuest is keeping players like Yuji Spyrax who were promising last year, showed improvement, like, continue to get better. Uh, I, I don't want those players to get replaced immediately. Like, I think, you know, kind of like those players deserve a fair shot, but Dokla, yeah, he played an LCS, but what did he do? He went to wild card, uh, played really well, uh, well enough to get a sub spot for TL where he took second improving Proving Grounds uh, because Jenkins and Armeo went with the team to Worlds. So he had to play. Uh, then he gets picked up full-time by CLG and he obliterates everyone in the top lane. Uh, on top of that, he was streaming Champs Q until it closed every night on CLG. Uh, one rank? And yeah, he, he hit rank one. Uh, like this guy worked his freaking ass off to to get back to where he is. And he's a better player now than he was when he was last in LCS. Like he built a lot of skills and fundamentals. He worked his ass off to do so, but uh, that is what the system, the ecosystem should be used for, right? If you take full advantage of what's in front of you, then you should be able to you know achieve those results if you're out working the competition and you, you know prove you have the talent to do it. Doko did that. And now he's a solid LCS player. I'm really hoping that we see that whether you are a 16, 17-year-old playing for the first time and you're good enough to play in a year like JoJo was, or you know if you're someone like Zezo who's coming back into the ecosystem, use this to kind of build up those skills again and then get back to where you were. Uh, I, I think that I, if any, if the players are willing to work hard and go after it, like I'm going to give them a fair shake whenever I can. Uh, so Doko was a great example of kind of breaking some of that expectation for fans that like, hey, just because you were in LCS doesn't mean you can't you know, go back down improve and get back um like you don't have to be this like young gun uh i think doco was just a great example of like if you take advantage of the ecosystem no matter who you are where you are in your career you you can improve and get better uh, and he he did so and he's running with it so props to him i guess
2: a, a bit of a follow-up question to that you know we, we sort of seen you know within the community a lot of comments and you know i guess i don't know if i'd necessarily call it controversy per se but sort of the the thought processes behind creating these academy or challenger league Mm -hmm. rosters you know it's always the question of you know why are these veterans why are these former lcs players you know sticking around an academy for so long when we need to be promoting more and more you know young players or any rookies so i don't know if you really have any thoughts about you know when it comes to roster building like you know when is it the time to use more veterans or use more rookies or you know is it all dependent on who's on the team or how the team is being built because i know Especially with regards to this offseason, there was a lot of, you know, comments about, you know, TSM's uh, Challenger League roster, including three of their former, you know, starting LCS players.
1: Uh, So I I think that in a way, like TSM is kind of an outlier, and I'll I'll get to them in a sec. But I, I think that where most teams have landed is that your goal is to try and develop two or three players at the same time. Uh, and I actually think that most of the challenger's builds for me are actually a little bit too cautious this year. Like, that's one of the reasons I'm excited about FlyQuest. I don't think they were cautious in what like build they went for. I-, I feel like they're taking more risk in the sense that their team is less experienced than other teams. And they're the one team where I could see... you know, All, all five players, I feel like, have a chance to appear in LCS. Uh, I-, I don't feel that way as much about other teams. Um, ultimately, I think that your goal, like as I mentioned earlier with your challenges leagues uh, slot should be number one to promote internally number two promote externally right so get buyouts uh jojo was him and like he took fifth sixth in summer of 2021 in the academy no one remembers that or cares because he ended up being a great lcs pro right like that's a winning split for clg's or eg's academy team i should say um so i i think that like your goal should be to kind of build towards that. Whatever build you get works with that. I think what most teams have found is that you need to put two or three veterans around two or three younger players to try and help, you know, just bridge the gap of all the knowledge they're missing from going from solo queue to playing fives.
2: Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. so then to get to the TSM of it all, yeah. I know you had some thoughts on that because I think when it was orig- originally announced, you know, their, you know, challenger league roster was going to be Haunster Svenskeren uh, was going to be triple, but, is no longer yeah. uh you know wild turtle and dragu
1: well while this was going on doxa was announced uh for their mid laner. uh so i mean again tsm even with their old players you can still argue that they have two players they're trying to develop in doxa and draku um I-, I think the tsm situation was a bit different because they were talking to maryville about a partnership which was reported on uh we could still see that for summer uh i'd have to check the global contract database see how long the contracts these guys signed were uh so it could just be a holdover uh i say that tsm they have the freedom to do what they want i feel like they're they built a challenges week roster that doesn't meet the two goals i set out more poorly than others and so by those metrics i would say that they aren't using their spot the way that you shouldn't to help your lcs team uh but uh, if they want to use it for clicks and content then that's fine and uh, if the players are going to scrim and practice as hard as everyone else in the league then i'll give them a fair shake and hopefully they can you know do really well i think uh, like Hanser was consistently very high challengers last year uh, with a lot of his solo queue accounts. Like I still think really highly of some of these players, uh, so I, you know could could be interesting for the week.
0: Yeah, one of the issues around it was I, I remember J and T and I talking about. When Soul was let go, and I think that's where a lot of the uh, community was upset because they came out and said like, "Hey, we expect Soul to be a future player of ours." whoa and then I I, I, t- I, t- I replied to that tweet with that. I was like, "By their own metrics, they just let go of a top four top liner." Yeah, like, yeah,
2: it's
1: yeah
0: That's exactly that's exactly yeah. the conversation that we had, and we went, "Oh well, isn't that weird?" It was like, "Yeah, how things change so quickly." And then the backlash kind of went towards the new TSM members, like you're saying, like Haunter, for example. And it's like, well, maybe it's not Hanser's fault. Maybe it's actually TSM that you're mad yeah. at and not these guys that are playing in academy now.
1: Yeah, I mean, if, if that's your one offer and you want to do this for a living, like, I mean, no hate. Again, if you're going to go as hard as everyone else in the league, like, I hope they show up and are competitive. It's fun that way. But, uh, I mean, I can say I can say that the org, like, they aren't using the spot the way that I would. I don't think it's the best for the LCS team and the org moving forward, given what how we've seen other NACL spots used. I, I can say that without, you know, any hate towards the players. And again, I mean, they can play their ass off and shut me up. And I'm perfectly happy with that. I, I, I find that fun.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, just a few questions about you. Like I mentioned just a few minutes ago, I don't think people get to see your face enough. And I think it's important that people should learn a little bit about you. And so we would like to know the old question. I'm sure you get this all the time, but how did you get into eSports? And what, was, what has your path kind uh, of yes. been towards where you are now?
1: Uh, yeah. So my start in eSports is actually in college. Uh so in high school I was a golfer and I knew that I wasn't gonna play like, I had offers to go to small schools, but none of them were D one schools. So I was done with golf. Uh, I'm a really competitive person. So I was like, League of Legends is this new game. Uh I heard colleges are like building out programs. So I before I ever like stepped foot on my campus at Miami University, of Ohio, I actually DM'd a Facebook group like, Hey, I'm a diamond for League of Legends player. Like I, I climbed like after golf season was over, like in fall. I went from like gold three to like D four, or which was above D five at the time, and I was like, I'm looking for a team. So I got on my university team. Uh, I competed. I uh, had a terrible freshman year because that was all I did was play League of Legends. Like I wanted to try and go pro. I was ninety Classic. LP. I was ninety <laughs> LP challenger or like ninety LP D one hard stuck when it was only challenger. So like you were getting like mm. gains like yeah, plus yeah. or plus one, plus two, minus like you know fifteen. And then the, All I remember like up. clips
2: on stream, you'd see people like hit the LP, but then they wouldn't actually get into the promo. Zero. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I never got that high up. I think back then I peaked like 93, 4 LP. Um, So I, I was never good enough, but I did try. I I legitimately tried. And I kind of realized that at the end of my freshman year, like, hey, this is really unhealthy for me. All I did was go to class, get good grades, and then do this. I had no friends. I My roommate was literally the person that walked in my room to watch me play League of Legends for my sophomore year uh and i kind of like sat back on campus like hey i ultimately like put a lot of time to myself it was selfish i wasn't happy so like let's try and you know do something that can help other kids go through this experience better so i co-founded the varsity esports program we were the first d1 program and the ninth program in the nation at the time miami university Ohio. how long
0: ago would this have been what year would this have been? spring
1: of 2016 okay uh so i co-founded it with another student Uh, I coached the League of Legends team. I played when I had to. I was like the sub because I was still, you know, like a mid-diamond, high-diamond player. Uh, But I didn't want to take up a playing spot And something that I founded. So I was like a student director and a coach. Uh, And I kind of wrote that out until I finished up my marketing degree and I had a startup job. Uh, And I was following esports. Like I was still watching LCS, LEC, and LCK uh, and whatever of LPL I could catch. I'd, I'd watch highlights, like, you know, like during my lunch break at work, stuff like that um it's obviously like still a big passion of mine um and pretty much like when COVID hit i lost my job immediately and i was already kind of tossing around this idea of like something that i feel like i would like doing but it was you know being a cover caster because of my experience like playing and coaching a team at that level like we were a non-scholarship school but i was getting my players from, like plot 2 to d4 to like master tier to pretty much try and take a game off maryville in the north conference which we did two years in a row i'm very proud of that that's pretty was, beast. Yeah, I you know. Like, like we beat Maryville for a game. That's that's, that's like awesome. actually about the best we could like we could have done. Like, given, so how like, hard like,
0: did you guys games games. go nuts when you guys beat them? You guys must have gone nape shit. Well,
1: we won like game two or three of like a best of five. We should have been up on them two one the year that Saskia was playing top, and then Saskia shit on us at Baron. Uh the next year we took a game off Niles, and that was the last game in that iteration of Maryville. That was the last game that they actually lost until they won all like won the whole thing. Um. So the guy I coached with is actually, he was the head of data at TSM and he's now the head of data at TL, Hatham. Um,
0: <laughs>
1: and he was a way better coach than me. But, you know, commentating was kind of my way in. Like I, as a coach and as a player, I kind of like would tune into these broadcasts to scout teams. And I'd be like, wow, these cover casters have absolutely no idea what they're talking about. Uh, <laughs> I do. And so COVID is my excuse to kind of go hard. Uh, so I applied to Big League, which was like one of the two paid broadcasts for scouting grounds. Uh, I got in, they paid me 30 bucks a day. Uh, and because I got big league, which is one of the two paid gigs, I was able to do five of the other gigs that were all unpaid because I would just DM like whoever like ran it, like, Hey, I get paid for big league, I got through the application, I was a GM player because I hit GM while I had my full time job in season 10, playing like six games a day, I was the number one BrahM on the server. Um, yeah, so I pretty much like just use that to get into the rest, and then the other one, Challenges Uprising was they saw me streaming a VOD review like one day and they're like, wow, this, this is not bad. And they pretty much like picked me up for that. And that was the most, still one of the most satisfying projects that I ever worked on. Uh, and that's where I actually like met Rafa, who I'm now living with uh, here in LA. So uh, yeah, it's uh, Joshi too for that aspect. So that was kind of the, the long-winded story of uh, how I got into like where I am now. Uh, I mean, it's yeah.
0: never a short story when, if you started in 2016, no. I wasn't expecting it to be a one one second story. Uh, any other questions, JNT? I have one more, but if, do you have any others, J- Jinter?
2: Well, I, I, okay, I had one, but it was more for like, it's more like a interest on, a thought on one specific player who's mm-hmm. in the Challenger League. Uh, do you have any okay. thoughts on APA, Always waste plan ahead? i've so, uh, I've been following that guy on Twitter for quite a while, and you know I watch his streams especially when he was like one trick and Soul. soul 'cause there was like a, a time where I was one tricking a lot of reallylian yep. soul, and uh he's just uh, a player that I've always kind of had my eye on a little bit, and he's obviously got the the big role now on t l
1: so I made like a big thread on Twitter about when he got the job at t l um a p a like being honest has actually always been one of the hardest players for me to because like it's hard for me to not be biased towards him. Uh, like that guy works so hard in terms, like the amount of games he puts in, what he does outside of like just clocking in solo queue games. Uh, it really got to the point where, I mean, he's here because of the work that he puts in. Like I, obviously you have to be talented to play at the level he is, but it really feels like he had to work harder than a lot of other people to get there. Um, and I, that makes me really happy. Uh, now I think that like APA like as a player uh I think that what stopped him from moving up faster was the fact that he wasn't the archetype of player that most orgs are looking for. So most orgs want this like insanely flashy mechanical talent that they can then round out with knowledge, uh with their staff and like the other players around them, right? APA was kind of the opposite. Like APA always like had stuff mapped out. He's really good at like moving around the map. Uh and what stopped him was like you know, he there were instances where in big games he would fat-finger things, and people would be like, I don't want someone that's going to fat-finger when I can get a better mechanical player, right? Um, And APA, like, I think he kind of had to push through a lot of that shit. And I think Maryville actually really helped him with that experience, like, being in a different environment and having a balanced school. Because he kind of... I think it kind of got... Helped him get over, like, some of the mental blocks that he had. Um, That's... I, I haven't talked to him about that. That's kind of, like, just a personal read. Um, cause I He is someone that I actually, like, talked to a lot. Like, I... I I don't play the game during the split. Like I hit D one after spring split, but it's, it's a waste of time for me to play right now. I guess better for me to just watch VODs than message these guys. Like, Hey, how do you play this matchup? AP is someone that I talk a lot about or a lot like me and him talk a lot about like, Hey, how do you play rise versus Syndra? Like, what am I looking for? Like when I'm commentating this, right? Um, so that's stuff that like, yeah, that's definitely like someone I have a close relationship with. Um, But, yeah, so it's kind of always been hard for me to cast him, but I'm really excited that he made it. And I was also a coach in the TL tryout. Um, so oh, really? I like the ones yeah, they I, were streaming I and everything? Yeah. That... I, well, they, I was there for the first few days. When they went to, like, the top 10, I was just there to listen to Core JJ explain how to play bot lane 2. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, that was a fun experience to kind of brush off the coaching head again. Because... Uh, In 2021, when I was commentating, I was actually working two other jobs, and one of them was coaching Miami again. They paid me part-time to come back and coach, Uh, so that was fun. But yeah, team side is definitely where I want to exit when I'm done with casting, Uh, but I got a little bit of a ways to climb before before that, I think.
0: Awesome. Interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. I guess my last question would be about casting is what does a week of prep look like? What does your week look like as Ooh. a as a caster and what goes into all the prep? Because I know there's a lot of time off camera and people only see you on camera.
1: Yeah, so I'm reaching for this because this is my book. Uh so I for me like I always have to prep where I write stuff down. Your elimination. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so I limit myself to like one it's like one full page, so like both sides of the page, like per best of two in my case. Um, just it's good you if you write unlimited notes, then you, you will get lost in the sauce, right? Um and the last thing that's actually in that book was I had TL sign it when they won in summer, which is kind of fun. Oh, cool. Uh but I mean like for me a lot of prep, like I try to stay as up to date as I can on the major regions, uh just to like see like what Every region will have a slight different read of the meta, and it's just good to know, like, why. Because, uh, like, Academy will oftentimes just draw on a lot of those influences. Uh, but it's more important for me to, like, I think it's really important, like, I represent all the teams and players. So I do try and, like, uh, I, I try and talk to them or just, like, build up some form of relationship because I am repping them. So for me, like, a lot of my prep just looks like staying up to date with the tape. I watch LCS live because I live-tweet it. Um, NACL, obviously, I watch uh, half the games that I'm casting in the last year. Uh, and then the other half, like I just kind of catch up on outside of that. Uh, and then LCK and LPL, I, for the first couple weeks, I don't know if I can watch every game for LPL. Uh, but I, I will try to watch every game, and then I will just pick out teams, and I'm like, all right, this team is like bad and very flawed. I'm not watching them as they start doing like crazy stuff. And then those, those like VODs get re- like relegated, right? So then I'm only watching games between like really high level teams, hopefully. Or teams I mean, you that only like... have so much time, right? Exactly. And that was a big problem with me because I was on LCK last summer. And so I literally only had time to watch LCS ecosystem and then the LCK ecosystem. because I, I always watch the amateur games too, because like those are players in my cover moving forward. Uh, LCS obviously like where I want to be. Uh, And then LCK, the Challengers League as well, because I love that league. It's super competitive. And there are a lot of really talented players in there. Uh, But also, like, because LCK is more uh, interchangeable pieces, because they have the capability to, because they have a really talented pool in LCK, uh, it's important to be up to date with both. So, like, I really didn't have time to watch. I I had to wait until playoffs to start watching other stuff. Because, like, we had super weeks for Academy. That That was 30 games in three days. And then LCK was four to six games a night. And so if you do the math on that, like watching anything outside of that was pretty tough. Uh, so, but mostly for me, it's like going through tape, talking with the players and coaches. And, you know, they don't like tell me like, here's what we're going to play. But I can talk through like, hey, uh, Varus is really strong first pick right now. How do you execute his lanes? Or, like what matchups are hard for him and why? And then I-, I can get notes on that because I-, I don't play the game during this time. I can pick up a lot of those notes from like watching tape. But usually, I'm gonna ask like, a really specific question, to I like, just gain knowledge, like, hey, why do they run scorch here uh stuff like that so gotcha,
0: yeah, j and T and I try to keep up on the other leagues, but I mean, you can only re- I-, I don't know about you guys, I just can't even remember like the information I can't fit it all in my head uh the only person I could think I'm thinking of Emily Rand, not everyone could be Emily Rand who watches every Emily's league and best. somehow yeah. retains all of this information that is some of the most impressive memory skills i've ever seen but yeah i i do watch some lck and lpl every year but it's just i can't keep it with me i mostly keep all my focus on uh, lcs and then lec um I, I don't know how people do it honestly it's really really impressive
2: Gubby, do you have any like you know lck lpl teams that you really you know cheer for or, you know any players you always want to succeed i mean me personally i'm a homo life fan for the lck so okay it's always this up and You're down in terms yeah, exciting of, next year yeah it's it's yeah. always an up and down in terms of what roster they put together so obviously last year wasn't the greatest year but you know year before Chovy Deft. so uh this year we're back in it so, again
1: De- uh, faker and deft have always been like two favorite players in mine. so this last year was i mean it was pretty sweet just being able to kind of cover both of them then having that you know each team make the run they did was very impressive um I, I don't know. Uh, LCK-wise, I honestly was always a, a Rocks-Tigers coup uh, fan, and mm-hmm. all those players are now gone. Um, this past year, I was a huge with Sandbox fan, actually, as I thought Prince was really good, and they mm. played the game in like such a stupid manner, but it was so hilarious, and they played it well. Uh, it so that's a lot why FlyQuest that.
0: was number two. Now the truth yeah, comes out. Yeah, it's though. Prince bias, you know. <laughs>
1: uh, I, I got flamed a lot for saying that Prince Ruler was a better matchup than Gala
0: and Viper, which I do stand by. I mean, no matter. Uh, let one thing. Let's be clear. I no matter so what you say, theory, man, you could say something so non-controversial, and you'll still get flamed for it. You know that just as good as anyone. I mean, Every, I, everyone yeah, gets I, flamed I, who's on camera. You see it all the time on Reddit, yeah, on Twitter. Fun. No matter I, what I you had, say, you're gonna get flamed.
1: I had fun with the JoJo inspired bit. You know, it was uh, <laughs> that was a good time. But yeah, um, no, yeah, I, I ultimately like, I, I am a fan. Like behind the scenes, I really try to not let that like get in the way. Uh, but I mean, like i'd put a lot of research into the game like there's a way that i feel like the game should be played i'm going to be more biased towards teams that you know play towards that way like i i believe that you know the best way to play early game is to dive on the third wave and so like if teams are going to be very aggressively posturing for three wave dives i think that's the best way to get early leads and go from there uh so i i mean i think that we all have like our pre-existing biases i i think that like the one thing i just kind of i try and really double it out with is also respecting like hey every team has their way they play the game like Can I do a good job of representing that? It's like one of the points I was really proud of last year in spring is that Yuji and FlyQuest Academy, they pretty much just, every game he started on top side and he would double clear and then he would do dragon in the middle of the double clear when it spawned at 530. And this was like, when we watched tape, it was literally like six out of seven games they played in Proving Grounds. So like when I'm able to then set that up and communicate that from like minute one, be like, hey, like personally, I don't think that's the best way to play the game. But usually he's gonna pick Diana here with Yasuo. And here's how he's gonna play in path. Like then when that happens, like explain why it's good or bad. Like that's when I feel like I'm able to take, you know, another level down of broadcasting or like get deeper down the iceberg. So that's like I do try and respect like how the teams play. Uh, and just kind of like be, you know, kind of the vessel like represents that's all you.
0: Gotcha. Um yeah. I don't have any more questions. If you have any JNT, fire away. But if you don't, we'll get to game, we'll speed run game predictions and then close out the show.
2: Yeah, we'll get through these uh game predictions real quick obviously you know these aren't super serious but we do like to keep a little track of how many games we get right or wrong across the whole year all right first game finals rematch hunter t versus cloud nine i'm gonna side with 100 thieves on this one uh cloud nine's usually a team that starts out pretty slow so
0: yeah that is true i'm going with 100 thieves also there was the fudge interview with zven where they said someone they played 100 thieves and clg and someone beat them 4-2 and i don't think it was clg so i'm kind of cheating a little bit off of some scrim results which of course should mean nothing but it's all i got to go off of i'm going uh, i'm going 100 thieves 100 thieves
2: uh next up golden guardians versus evil geniuses no surprise here we're all about to say eg eg Uh, next up, TL versus FlyQuest. This will actually be a very interesting match considering the rankings that we all had. Um, I'm going to go off on a limb and probably be the only one to say this, but I'm going to pick TL.
0: I'm going TL. I had them number two.
2: Oh, yeah, you did. That's true.
0: Yeah. I will I will say Fly, but I
1: will also say that's a coin flip, and TL has been playing together here for longer. Uh, so,
0: Was yeah. it? Yeah. I, I saw something where there was like it was two Korean players that like they were queuing up for Champions queue and couldn't get any games. Was that two TL players? Does anyone know? Maybe I mean TL has been pretty good about
1: like playing uh, CQ. Also, I don't know if you guys uh, have been keeping up with Mir. Also, Arthur from HLE. No, so I don't HLE. Oh, he, he
2: he name changed to Mir.
1: Yeah, it's his first name. Uh, I, yeah, I I didn't know that, but I do he's, know he's who Arthur Jan's is Mir now, yeah. and he's. His Lee Sin is pretty wild. It's uh, it's been fun to watch in CQ. He's been playing. Something. Yeah, no,
2: his his Lee Sin was his best champ he's in LCK. Good.
1: Yeah, he's very good. Uh, so you
0: got Fly Quest though, Cubby. I'll take Fly. I'll, okay. I'll,
1: yeah, I'll, I'll be the
0: differentiate a little bit.
1: Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll keep it interesting.
2: All right, next up, the Battle of the Bars. It's a uh, CLG versus Dignitas. <laughs> I'm gonna roll with CLG on this one, but I think that's primarily due to the fact they're retaining their whole roster and they're probably gonna. Play a little bit better towards the beginning of the season than a team like Dignitas.
0: True, actually, that's something I, I should consider. I think I'll go CLG for the same reason. I, I think by the end I got Dig, but at, to start off a season, I like that logic. I'll take Dig. Give me the coin flips, baby. Okay.
2: All right, and then we have uh, some bottom tier teams right here: TSM versus Immortals. Um, I think just via my rankings, uh, I got to go with TSM on this one. And you know, while I will have some, have some, you know. Immortals blood in my veins throughout the seasons because you know I definitely you know can appreciate players like Envy and Tactical and even though I don't think a Blaze has been playing particularly well I still really liked when he was in 2021 yeah, so <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm still a fan it's hard to let yeah, go I'm gonna have to go with TSM
0: <laughs> I'll go Immortals as my upset if you will in air quotes yeah give me IMT.
2: all right flipping over to Friday uh I, it's funny I don't actually know if I said I might have accidentally said Saturday at the beginning just naturally thinking that the game started on Saturday but they're Thursday now but For the Friday games, CLG versus evil geniuses, evil geniuses,
0: EG, EG. Ooh, some hesitancy. What was that about? (laughs) I,
1: I don't know, man. Sometimes CLG throws some wild stuff at you.
0: Well, and you could make the argument that we made with CLG against dig, right? Like keeping the same five. I, I could see the argument there.
1: Yeah. It's yeah. It's just, it's best of ones. You know, you never know. Yep. True,
2: definitely always a factor. Uh, next up, Golden Guardians versus Cloud Nine. I'm gonna roll with C9. C9,
1: C- C9. Yeah, I don't think C9s gets upset. I don't think GG is a good matchup to upset C9. Yeah, uh,
2: even though historically, I think Cloud Nine is like Golden Guardians are one of the teams that Cloud 9s lost. You know, more games. You know, in regards to the other bottom teams, but Cloud Nine still. Uh, next up, TSM versus Team Liquid. Uh, I'll take Team Liquid.
1: TL. I'll take TL.
2: And then 100 thieves versus immortals. I'll stick with 100 thieves.
1: 100 thieves. I'm gonna take immortals.
2: okay nice big time upset. Eighth place ranking coming in hot right there. Yeah,
1: I. How do they do it? I'm okay. I I actually think that like 100 thieves. Like I'm really curious to see how closure functions within this roster. And I, I think the IMC actually see, like, a pretty clear game plan to, like, how they can win. Tenacity and Busio, like, did hard carry their academy roster, like, all of last year. That was in academy. But I think Tactical and Fleshy, like, might be able to match up, and I, we'll see. I Like, that's an upset that honestly wouldn't surprise me early on in the season. Uh, I think IMC is going to be playing with a chip on their shoulder this year, and I really want to see if they can actually make that work.
2: It definitely does feel like a lot of the individual players on that team can come in with a chip on their shoulder, you know, kind of tactical and a blaze olive if you want to call it getting relegated to one of the worst teams or one of the worst orgs in terms of standings.
0: Being doubted is a motivator, let's be real.
1: It is.
2: And then last up, we have FlyQuest versus Dignitas. Um, I think
0: that if it
2: wasn't for the fact that Prince, like FlyQuest bot lane is just going to be so much better than the Dignitas bot lane, I was maybe thinking I was gonna take dig, but I'm gonna to have to side with, with, with the prince dominance here and go with FlyQuest.
1: I'll take Fly.
0: Fly. All right. That is it for the predictions. JT, we got one thing of quick news. You wanna run that through us through that real quick and then
2: we'll close out the show? I guess one thing that I think a lot of people found kind of interesting, Max Waldo stepping down from Cloud Nine, you know, sort of towards the end of the off season. You know, I think initially he was supposed to be part of the team's plans going forward, but that's no longer the case. I think it, this what, it's got announced on like December 14th or December 15th or somewhere towards Quite the second or third back. week of December. Uh, But you know, Mithy coming back to Cloud9 after he did a little 100 Thieves stint last year.
0: Yeah, the, the interesting thing about this is in that video that I was talking about earlier with Fudge and Jack where they were talking about the changes that they made with the roster is Originally, uh, Jack said originally when Mithy went over to Cloud9, he did not want to be the head coach, and it just sort of happened that he ended up being the head coach. But this time around, he actually said that he is ready to be the head coach of the team, and so kind of a different um, attitude going into the year for him. But also, it's really interesting to see kind of a pivot for Max Waldo to step down right before the season starts, Um, I guess kind of keeping on brand with Cloud9 over the last year and changing up their head coach position. But that is it for this episode, Cubby. Thanks again, man. We, we cannot tell you how much we appreciate you having us on filling in the gaps where clearly we don't know a lot about some of these newer players. And a lot of our listeners don't know as well. That is, that uh, means quite a lot to us. And uh, we hope to have you, you on again sometime. I think this was awesome.
1: No, it was fun. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, and yeah, I, I mean, I'm trying to spread all the NACL knowledge. I can everywhere. Uh, I'm really excited for the rookies that are up in LCS. I, I, Really would not be surprised if every single one was top five in the role. I really feel like they have it in them. Uh it's a really strong batch that got promoted. So I'm
0: I'm really rooting for him moving forward. If you had to
2: make an early rookie of the year prediction, who would it be?
0: Ooh. Uh, go with Bucio. Come on, man. You gotta
1: hyped yeah, them I up mean, before. I know Bucio's uh, Boussio's my guy uh in the long haul. But I think that A was the one that's like the most ready and the most set up for success. As much okay. as I hate to use the phrase LCS ready. Ayla truly has been ready to play at that level for the last year, and I'm really excited for him to show it. Um, so I think he's the most likely candidate, but I, I actually think that I, I'll still just say Busio because I that that oh. kid's going to be that kid's going to be really good, uh, and I'm really excited to see if he can hit that.
0: All right, we'll keep an eye on him. Thanks again, and uh, thanks everyone that tuned in. Uh, we appreciate your guys' support, and we will be putting out episodes weekly. Probably when will the YouTube uh, episodes be available, Ginter. You think Monday morning or Sunday night?
2: Yeah, m- Sunday nights, Monday mornings.
0: We'll have a clearer idea as the year goes on, but we'll be doing episodes every week. And thanks everyone for listening. This has been episode 110 of the Clown Fiesta podcast. Take care, guys.